Welcome to this bonus edition of Everything is Awesome. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Uh, we have decided to release a, I don't want to call it a 4th of July special because that has nothing to do with the holiday, but uh, it's the 4th of July. Celebrate America's independence by listening to a bonus episode of Everything is Awesome. Uh, we actually have two interviews in this one. Uh, the first one is from a uh, writer, author, uh, Tal Klein, uh, and we sat down for a short brief period of time. I feel like that was redundant, uh, and chatted about uh, his writing process, his first book, his book that's in the Ink Shares Nerdist contest right now uh, that he's part of with 14 other authors, uh, and sci-fi in general, and we decided right then and there at the end of the interview, he definitely had to come back on because it was such a great uh, chat, um, and it was cut short by, uh, you know, a, you know, just time limits. Uh, So listen to that, and then on the other end, we have another interview. Everything is awesome. I'm your host, Kev, and this is a show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, this week's guest, uh, he contacted me to, to see uh, if he thought what he wanted to chat about and, and, and had to talk about fit the show. And uh, well, first of all, there's really no criteria for this show. People that listen to the show know, like, I, my end game is a good conversation. Uh, and whether that's literally, I mean, anything from tacos to an actual product or, um, you know, a, a band you're in or whatever it is that you have to talk about, I'm in. So, uh, but when someone contacts me with something that's like in my wheelhouse, uh, as far as like nerdy things and, and geekdom go, uh, I'm in even more because it's a conversation that I feel is going to be good. And this is another one of those um, little bonus episodes you're going to be getting where, uh, you know, I truly know very little about this week's guest, and uh, which is not far from, from the norm. But uh, we have a, uh, a, a author, uh, and a, uh, he, he's part of the nerd uh, life. He's a, a nerdist fan, uh, obviously, when, and we'll get into that here. Um, and he, he just has uh, an interesting uh, take on something that we're going to share with you today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, and I always forget to do this with my bonus guest episodes is to officially get the how to pronounce their name. I'm, so, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what you're going to do. I'm not going to tell you until after you <laughs> after you butcher it. So go uh, ahead. Okay. I feel like I'm going to get the last name. Oddly enough, is well, it, that the last name is easy because it's like like Calvin, right? But okay, well, okay, maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Tal Klein. Yeah. Good job. Oh, so, nice. You sh- yeah, usually people go for tall or tail or towel or something like that. Uh, you know, it, it, the way I always tell people is that, it, you know, um, the, it's an Israeli name. So it, okay. normally it's, it, the actual Hebrew pronunciation is tal. But nobody says tal in, in, uh, yeah. in English. So, it's, so I just decided to settle into tal like pal because they uh-huh. always say like, okay, you know how to say tal. Everybody knows how to say pal. Just stick a T at the front of that and we're all set. That's, that's <laughs> a great way to do it. Um, 
and I'm glad you're they're uh, you're probably the um, most unique name I've had on the show. Uh, we usually it's very American, not on any reason besides that's just who I happen to get on the show. Uh, so it's it's actually. Um, I'd say I'm terrible at pronouncing any words, let alone names. So uh, when I get something right, especially like this, I, I, it's a little pat on my back that I give myself. You know what I do uh, that's like a particularly bad habit along the same lines is whenever anybody gives me their name, I, I always condense it to a single syllable because my name is a single syllable okay. name. Yeah. So like, like, and some people are terribly offended by it. So would you, you know, it, it's like you'd be Kev in my, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then. You know, like Roberts are ro- always Robs and mm-hmm. Phillips are Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they, some people are really offended by that. You know, it's really funny because in my universe, I can't be offended by it because we always think my name is short for something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, it's just really – but for some reason, my brain will always condense somebody's name <laughs> into a single syllable. Yeah. And occasionally – yeah, occasionally people get offended by it. So I, I understand. I, I'm sympathetic to your problem. I uh, see – and that's funny because most people go for the natural uh, Kevin, like my full name, uh, which is – and I, I'm pretty sure I introduced myself on the show as Kev. It's actually – after 30-plus years of being alive, I, I kind of forget how I introduce myself these days. Uh, but I prefer since birth Kev. Like it's – I guess because I uh, my area I live in the uh, in the Philly area just outside of Philly, and there's a lot of Kevins in this area. So I've always gone the the other way and said, "Just call me Kev. It's easier. I know you're going to talk to me instead of someone else." Uh, so I prefer the, the the one syllable, to be honest. Yeah, it works for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, give, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what I know you have a uh, a book called Too Many Controllers. Uh, which is a series of short stories that uh, you have uh, on inkshares.com, which I do want to get into a little bit. And also, uh, you're, you're part of a contest uh, that I'll let you get into in just a moment. But tell us a little bit about Too Many Controllers before we get, go anywhere else. Sure. So Too Many Controllers, it's not my book. I'm just I'm one of the authors uh, mm. in the book. Uh, you know, We have a, a collection of 15 authors, each of which are contributing a short story to this anthology. And... Uh, Too Many Controllers is um, an entry in the Nerdist uh, video game contest on Inkshares. And uh, without, it's tough to not explain what Inkshares is and, while explaining what the book is. Okay, you know, yeah, go for it. Be, but, uh, you, you know, and we can get deeper into Inkshares later, but Inkshares is basically a, a crowdfunding platform for books, but it's a very unique crowdfunding platform. It's not like supporting a book on Inkshares is very, very, very different from supporting a book on, say, Kickstarter or Indiegogo because uh, Inkshares itself is a publisher. So they're actually yeah. a publisher. They're distributed by Ingram, which is like one of the biggest book publishers out there. And, and so these, con- uh, these contests uh, and also Inkshares in general, if you, it, it works by – if you crowdfund your book and you get uh, more, more than 750 pre-orders of your book – they actually give you full publishing, so you'll be in bookstores. Uh, you go through through normal developmental editing, you know, the full process to develop, you know, like lots of lots of editing, uh, the cover design, like basically the full book publishing process as if you were going through a traditional publisher. Uh, and it's it's just absolutely amazing because I think it's a profound uh, uh, difference than anything else that exists out there. I think people yeah. call them like a hybrid crowdfunding platform because really. I mean, it's 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 uh, they're they're just a publisher 
who's decided to do away with the sort of uh, um, editorial control over uh, over over which authors and what books get published, okay. and instead turn that over over to uh, to an audience. And if you're if if a book shows that it's got enough of a market demand for it, then they you know they just take their own personal bias out of you know whether it should be published or shouldn't be published. That's uh, see, I love that. Um, I uh, this show uh, is we have a mix of indie artists, and and I and I use that term it, from authors to musicians to podcasters to whatever. Uh, and I, w- my best friend is a self-published author, um, and to be a person who like kind of promotes indie, I, I this ink share like it's it sounds like a great um, kind of happy medium between self-publishing and trying to get published through the mainstream way of things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So my, my previous book, the way I got into ink shares is actually I won the contest before this one, which was a geek, geek and sundry contest. Okay. Uh, and I won that with a book called uh, The Punch Escrow, which is about teleportation and stuff like that. But what's cool is, is you know, I won the contest and now like I'm, you know, the book is being published by Geek and Sundry. Uh, and, and I've also now have a writing gig for Geek and Sundry, which is like one of the, you know, it's, it's Felicia oh, Day's site. Oh, that's super under. cool. Yeah, and, and so they really, I mean, all these things are, it's a huge opportunity for an author like myself, and, you know, like who's just starting out, because, I, and, and, you know, I would not necessarily recommend everybody doing this, but I actually had a book deal on the table that I left to go pursue uh-huh. uh, the Ink Shares contest, because, you know, when you write science fiction, one of the hardest things to do with science fiction, especially as a new author, is, is the marketing piece. How, how do you get people to invest? Because it's such a such an oversubscribed genre, yeah. you know. Um, and and you'd spend all this a lot of marketing effort trying to get to the geek and sundry and nerdist community. Like you probably spend the majority yeah. of your marketing dollars trying to reach these people. So, uh, you know, when I saw the opportunity to 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 you know actually go under their uh, their umbrella. You know, it was it was awesome, and so with this, you know, a lot of the guys uh, and girls who were published um, were were uh, contributing to this anthology. They're they've either uh, already published a book on uh, ink shares or have won other contests on ink shares. And so these are sort of like veterans of the ink shares process, uh, and they really know how to work this, which is probably why we're doing so well. And and, and obviously, you know, we we need more support for sure, but. Um, you know, it, it was really cool. Like we we have a Slack channel where, uh, you know, we just talk to each other. And and somebody just had this idea when when Nerdist posted this new video game contest. They wanted books that are inspired by video games. A bunch of us were like, yeah, you know, um, I, I you know I, I I don't have a book about video games, but I have a short story that I've been writing. And it's, it was unbelievable how. You know, so many of us just sort of chimed in, and we were all kind of had like these short stories that we were working that. Were, were related to this genre that they kind of threw out there. We were expecting, you know, they always change up what the contests are about. There have been like fantasy and, uh, you know, mystery and young adult and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it's, just, it's just really, really cool. And it's been fun to sort of work through the process with all these other authors. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, we're doing really well. But, uh, you know, I definitely want to draw as much attention as possible to the contest. I think there's other really good books uh, in the contest as well that are worth uh, gander. Uh, it's I got to tell you that's you've really turned me on to ink shares as because I, I write a little bit as well for my buddy. My buddy created a whole world that he writes. It's like a fantasy genre, 
And uh, like I definitely I've bookmarked. Hey, I'm interested in the short stories uh, that you have that you're contributing to here with this book. So I've bookmarked this page so I can officially pre-order a book because I definitely <laughs> want to give it a read myself. Um, but uh, I like I totally want to learn more of Ink Shares. Like I'm sure tomorrow after talking to you, I want to go down that uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole uh, yeah. of like let me like let me look at Ink Shares and see what it's all about. So it's. It sounds like an amazing platform for authors. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty new, so I, I don't know how deep the Wikipedia entry is going well, to be. There. I mean, but it, you know, I'll tell you what. It, you know, the artists that have gotten the authors that have gotten published on there are, are really. I mean, they, they wrote really uh, very high quality stuff, and and as I said, they go through the full editorial process that they would go through in a, in a major publisher. So either way, what, what comes out of Inkshares is, is not going to be, you know, um, the sort of stuff stuff that you normally associate with self-publishing and that kind of thing. Um, but I was going to say, so, you know, uh, I, I want to hear about a little bit about how you got into writing because this, uh, it's your second, you have a book before this. That was your first book, correct? Yes. Yeah. So how'd you get into writing and why science fiction? You know, it's funny. I, I, I've gotten that question before. I my, my answer is weird in that, uh, I, I never thought that I would write a science fiction book. Uh, I always wanted to write a book, mm-hmm. and I, I always thought I would write a kind of like either a mi- like a sort of satirical mystery book or something like that. Um, but and I've started at a lot of false starts. Anybody who's <clears throat> either an author or an aspiring author probably sympathizes with mm-hmm. you know having a great idea, really you know getting everything going, and then reaching a wall. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've hit I've hit those walls several times, and, and honestly, I'm a busy guy. I've got a job, so like yeah. when I hit a wall, it's really tough for for, my, for me to push myself. Um, this book, uh, the Punch Esco, at least when I it came from a conversation I had with a guy about how teleportation worked, mm-hmm. and he, he basically explained it to me very simply. He said, you know, whenever Scotty was teleporting uh, Captain Kirk from one place to another, he was he was killing him in one place and then re- you know playing him back in another. Oh. And and for some reason that like really s- struck a note because yeah. I never really considered you know teleportation is just one of those things you just assume is going to happen it's gonna yeah. it's, it's gonna be a thing that happens in the future but I never really digested how it would work and I so I started talking to my friends who are you know friends who are physicists and stuff like that and they're like yeah that's that's the problem with teleportation it's not really a transportation technology it's it's more of a replication technology. That's um, you. You could like that one sentence or two as a pitch, <laughs> and you like sold me. Like that's a genius idea for a story. Like just going into that science of it. Uh, I don't really have a question. <laughs> I, don't, no, that's, I that's interrupted you. Go, it, go ahead. Like it's, no, I, I really like that idea. Is what I'm trying what to I say. found was as I was, but your reaction is is actually. You know, uh, you know that's the reaction I get when I tell people about this, right? So, uh, I started writing a I started writing a book about it using a lot of the science behind it because I really I really dug you know I really dug the science of, of how it works. And in general, if you think about uh, humanity's history with transportation, we've always been afraid of of new transportation. Like when um, when trains when trains were introduced. Uh, this is this is an absolutely true story. When trains were introduced, there was a movement of people who who were seriously concerned that people's uh, 
organs would fly out of their bodies <laughs> because the human body would not be able to withstand moving okay. at 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, airplanes is another. I mean, you know, just think about this. Like, yeah. who wants the. Yeah, we're going to put you in a thing in the sky. <laughs> yeah. I still think that. Like, it's, I mean, and I've traveled a bunch for old jobs, and I still have never gotten over my fear of flying. And I still have that concept of, like, why would I go in that thing in the sky? Like, it is. Yeah. If I mean, and I'm only, I, I'm not, I guess I don't have a, a, an official fear. So people that have the official fear, I can only imagine how they, they're feeling in, in a, a I, I know it's probably safer than driving. I know that's like a, a study that's been done, but I'm not, yep. I'm not in control. I don't think we're meant to be in the sky. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Like in the early days of all these new ways to transport yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's a, a logical thought. Or self self driving cars now, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's scared of self driving cars, uh, and and so yeah, I think when once you start thinking about it, like there's there's sort of like five big problems around teleportation. One is definitely the science of like how do we even pull this off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The other one is sort of the anthropological. How do we digest what it does as a society? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do we decide that you know that it's okay? Yeah. <laughs> to get <laughs> to get vaporized in one place and then replaced yeah, somewhere yeah. else, uh, you know the, the the other one is political. So like let's say we even digest the anthrop- anthropological aspect of it, uh, you know there's there's the legality associated with things and and what if if something goes wrong? Who has the right to to the identity of the person that was teleported? Like all these kind of like really big religious there's all, yeah. religion is another one philosophical the existential nature. Like when you show up at the other side, there's this big um, there's this big uh, old philosophical problem called uh, the ship of Theseus and, and it's actually cool it's really fast the, the whole idea is that there's this big hero his name is Theseus he goes over to the island of Crete and uh, defeats the Minotaur so he's a big hero okay yeah, yeah. comes back to Greece with his posse and his big wooden ship and you know in honor of him they decide to preserve his ship for se- you know they preserve it for several centuries so several centuries later, this guy comes along and he, he goes, and he's like, what's this, you know, what this, what's this ship? And they tell him it's the ship of Theseus. This is the guy who beat the Minotaur. He's a legend, right? And he goes, well, that happened like, you know, 300 years ago. And he's like, there's no way this is his ship. And they're like, why? And he's like, well, it's, it's a wooden ship. So, the, you know, you've got it on the water. The, the wood surely would have deteriorated uh, and rotted by now. And they're like, well, no, you know, as, as each, you know, as each ore rots, we just replace it with a new one. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, so would you say at this point every ore has been replaced at least once? And they say yes. And he goes, well, that's not the sh- that's not Theseus' ship. It's one that looks like it. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, I if if originally you start like when you first said that you had a book about teleportation, I would never have thought that it would be like smart, <laughs> like smart <laughs> science. Not uh, I don't know. Like I, when I write. Uh, I write, quote unquote, I'll say I, I'm a storyteller. I don't like calling myself a writer because I don't believe that I can actually write. I'm more, I, I know I can tell a story. So when I'm, when I'm writing this, this story down, like it's, it's just a fantasy story. But to me, it's, I, it feels like it's such a dopey thing. And uh, I love that something as dopey, I guess, as teleportation, you took so seriously and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like got sciencey with it. Like that's, Amazing! Like, again, that's the two sentence pitch of, uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, sold me on it. It's uh, incredible. Yeah, uh, it's, it was a lot of fun to write, you know, and um, and and it's 
you know, the, the response to it has been phenomenal. I mean, it was just, it was, it's been great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, as when you first mentioned it, I punched up so I could take a look at it, and uh, it's definitely going to be another thing that I, 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 I think you sold at least one more to me because I, <laughs> I, I don't. When someone can tell a story, like science fiction is kind of more my wheelhouse than, than fantasy, which is weird because that's kind of the genre I, I write in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, science fiction has always been cooler to me. Uh, you know, whether I'm not, I've never been a Trekkie, but like a Star Wars and um, that's about it. Star Wars. I, I mean, I guess everything can be considered science fiction. Depends on how much you want to really break it down. Uh, but I like Doctor Who. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, so so in uh, I, man, I see. This is what happens when I get into a good thought. I lose it. Uh, well, you know, Doctor Who is an interesting one, mm-hmm. right? So, Doctor Who is a great, you know, great story and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm the type of person who looks at it and I'm like, how does the TARDIS work? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I've you never know, like, gone that deep, but that is totally like I would. I've read uh, like I have, and I don't have it in front of me. I think I have it at my desk at work. But I have like um, like a little. Uh, blue book from doctor who that's like a tardis i don't i think it's like written like a tardis manual i think um but also telling like a story about doctor who at the same time and have you ever uh, seen a, have you ever seen uh donnie darko yes yes what do you think of donnie darko uh you know now i'll i'll say this by saying that and it's probably gonna be a movie i watch very soon now that you bring it up uh, i haven't watched it in years but that's fine uh i i'm a fan of it um and uh right now i i i probably couldn't tell you the full plot that's how long it's been that i've seen it but i do remember liking it and it's time travel yes yeah it's it's kind of it's a sort of like you know it's one of those like you know the, it asks like the big questions, but and like it's very like a, kind of like a very oh, hipster movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it, it basically, you know, he, it's like the the protagonist gets to decide mm-hmm. uh, if he want he can choose either to save himself or save the world. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. Yes, and I uh, that is uh, yeah, that is another movie that takes some sort of science, whether you know, right. you know a, a, of time travel or whatever, and. And it takes it seriously and answers, you know, and that's if that was my original thought. I love when, uh, you know, someone takes something that can be considered silly or fantasy or whatever. And takes it super it. seriously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. it's yeah. I, that's always a fascinating piece for me um, for and hence the reason I have a dopey little book that tells me like the the way the TARDIS works or whatever. Which is funny. So I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like for me, like that's where I, I get I get really deep into how this kind of stuff works, and that's why Donnie Darko was like a, an amazing movie because if you read into a lot of the canon that was developed prior to the movie, it's it's amazing how every single thing in that movie was so uh, extensively thought out and researched that the, it's you know on the face of it, it's basically like a, a you know it, it's a simple. I mean, it's not a simple movie, but it's like. You could easily pass it off as being just a sort of arbitrary, you know, y- young adult, uh, um, angsty teen movie with a bunch of weird stuff in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you if you dive deep into it, it's like it's like this crazy deep movie. There's a, there's another one that I really like. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Joe versus the volcano? No, I have not. So Joe versus volcano is written by the guy who wrote like Moonlighting and. Um, on, it, it, on the face of it, it's a movie with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and you know they, they traditionally, you know, at least, you know, I'm a I'm a Gen Xer, so 
you know, there's like a, you know, a Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie every few years, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, in fact, one was playing uh, in my living room the other night that I have a, a, a four and a half year old son who was sitting there okay. watching. I, I think I forget which one it was, but he was sitting <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. There's so many. Of them. Yeah, but he's sitting there watching it. I'm like, and I called out to my fiance. I said, did, did you let him watch this? And she's like, no, I just had it on watching it. I'm like, okay, this is, a, and he was like into it. Nice. Uh, well, they're movies. That, yeah, they're very accessible movies. But you know, the thing about Joe versus the volcano is like, you know, compared to something like a Sleepless in Seattle or, or any other movie you know out there, like it's this incredibly deep movie about like you know this person and and the existential crisis that he faces like when he thinks he's going to die and like I mean the the movie ends up being a little bit too tongue in cheek in the way that it handles I think the uh, the material, but it's it's just an like it's a, if you if you dive into it and you really like take it take it uh, beyond face value it's it, it's it's incredibly deep that's why I really liked you know teleportation has been a, a mechanism in science fiction forever you know what I mean yeah yeah totally. uh, there's so many there's so and people just always are like oh it's of course they're teleporting somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like yeah. And a lot of times people mix it up with you know, like uh, teleportation with time travel and like two mm. completely different you know yeah and um and it, it's just it's been it's been really really fun to write uh, another one that I really like is artificial intelligence I've never you seen know. that one no no I mean not oh, oh, oh okay <laughs> like as a as a thing that I, like people use it as, as, yeah. a, as, as a futuristic thing like there's, there's AI yeah yeah and, and and I've seen that done really you know smartly as well and um, you know that's that I, I am fascinated with that as well because that's and it kind of goes back to like the self-driving car like that. Well, what I like about it what I mean, I'm a talker, so I'm sorry if I don't, but feel free to talk over me. No, not a problem. Yeah, you're one of the guests that are, are uh, that can match me. It's I'm I'm uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> so, so AI, the, the main thing that we always I feel like the big mistake that we as humans make with artificial intelligence is we assume that it, we anthropomorphize it. We we assume that it's go, it's going to be like us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the story I wrote for uh, too many controllers. Is is kind of like, in fact, the, the closest you could get to that is. Have you ever seen uh, her? The movie her. Oh, I, I'm such a terrible science fiction nerd. No, I have not, but I've heard wonderful things about it, and it's on my. I have a list of movies that I always hear about that I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to see those. So it's on my list. Uh, I've heard wonderful I, things. I mean, it'll. If you're a science fiction nerd, I'm, I'm telling you that is probably one of the best science fiction movies that's been made, like, you know, in a long time. Yeah. Anyway, the big idea is that at some point, uh, um, you know, they create so they, they create like this uh, this AI for it's like your phone for your phone. I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler for you. Okay, that's fine. But uh, they create this AI for your phone, and, and everybody loves it. And this this guy literally like falls in love with the AI app on his phone, mm-hmm. and um, but it also at some point the movie just shifts. And the AI on his phone, the artificial intelligence component, transcends beyond humanity. Like it doesn't care about humans anymore. Oh wow! It doesn't care. It's not even like it's not even like a Matrix type of scenario. Where, like we're fueled to it or whatever. It just it it just moves on to pursue higher things mm-hmm. because you know we just can't keep yeah. up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, it starts to merge with other AIs and stuff like that. So it's it's been this really, uh, and I, I think that that is. 
you know, the ability to take something like the singularity and, and, and move it away from uh, like a sort of a how or, or our perception of, of a Skynet or something mm-hmm. that, that would, would, you know, would treat humans like humans would treat humans. And instead, you know, think, at, think of it from, from an actual, how would, a, how would a program that was artificially intelligent and had access to, you know, infinite resources you know, what would it do? Yeah. Uh, that's there. There are the questions that God damn, I, you, uh, are definitely someone that I could, we could talk for hours, <laughs> dude. Like we like, and for that reason alone, like we're going to have to reconnect and, and do like a full on normal episode. Cause sure. I have, uh, many times, these episodes uh, that I that I book go, you know, uh, supposed to be 15, 20 minutes. We can go two hours. And, and I <laughs> feel like that's that, that you are one of those guys. So um, I do want you. So let's uh, get a couple plugs out there sure. uh, for both uh, yourself, where people can find you on the net for too many controllers and uh, whatever else you have to plug. Sure. So, uh, yeah, too many controllers is, is the thing that I'm, I'm plugging right now. I mean, it, the easiest way to, uh, to find it is just go to inkshares.com, uh, click on contests, and under contests, you'll see the Nerdist uh, video game contest and click on that. And hopefully we'll still be in first place when you check that. And it's very, very easy to just you know, click through and, and pre-order a copy. There's three different flavors you can pre-order. You can pre-order the ebook. It's only like 10 bucks. Uh, you know, it's cheaper than buying a cup of coffee, uh, you know, at Starbucks, uh, you can, there's a $20 option that gets you a book, uh, that will be signed by all the authors and, and will probably be a you know, collector's edition. Cause I'm telling you, some of these authors are going to go on to great things. I'm telling you, these, these like, these guys are just unbelievable. They're so, they're so talented. And I'm, and the stories that I've been reading, I mean, I'm just watching them read, write the stories cause we share a Google drive yeah, and yeah. It's, it's been blowing my mind. I mean, this is some of the best new science fiction that I've read, you know, you know, in my life. And I love science fiction. I mean, I, I, I read about two books a week. Oh, wow. And, um, I yeah, wish it, I was on that level. I could barely read a book every couple months. Oh yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And there's like so much good stuff coming out too. Yeah. But I mean, it's just so much good sci-fi. And, uh, one, if you ever want to do a podcast episode just on new sci-fi books, I mean, I I could do that all day long. Oh, we're yeah, um, we're we're totally there. It's gonna we're gonna we'll talk tomorrow. We're gonna book you for a full episode soon. Uh, because there's just so much. There's there, we are in a really really good time for yeah. for science fiction. But anyway, um, so so I'm re- really excited about it. Uh, uh, you know, some of the books are funny. Some of the books actually are non Some of the stories are nonfiction. Oh, wow. cool, cool, cool. Um, there's just a really rich collection of people, and the whole idea is it's loosely tied about around this, this you know, this this video game, mm-hmm. uh, this notion of video games. Okay. Um, so it's it's really exciting, and also check out some of the other books in the contest. I mean, there's some really really good books um, in the contest, and and um, you know, I, I think that uh, they're all worth a gander. And and you know what and, and something that we say on the show when we have like indie authors that that are you know or indie I should not indie author indie artists like anything that you can do to support an indie artist like all you literally have to do is maybe skip you know uh, that pack of cigarettes for the week or skip that meal for the you know you, you don't have to eat McDonald's today or whatever it is like if you skip one or two little things that you normally do every single day or week you can easily help support an artist. 
that like you know, like Tal here that's got a, a book on ink shares uh, and help get them to a win the contest and, and b more important I think is is get some awesome um, you know uh, content out there I, I yeah. love. I love indie is, is, is like the whole mantra. I of do show. too. So yeah, I do too. I mean, you know, the way, when I started promoting the punch Esco in my last book, the, the, the first few people that I approached, I, I basically would send them a text message and I would ask if I could borrow 10 bucks mm-hmm. and they'd say, yeah. And then I would send them the URL to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that is another genius way. Dude, I am right. That one is getting stolen. Because I mean, like, which of your which of your friends would not lend you ten bucks? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing way to do it. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. And where can, is there anywhere uh, on the net that people can find find you if they want to yeah, talk to I'm, you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, I'm virtual Tal on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, uh, Whiskey Delta. Uh, what is it? What, what? <laughs> Well, whiskey tango delta so facebook.com okay. slash whiskey tango delta okay um i think it's like what the deal or okay. something it used to be okay, uh yeah, yeah. but probably twitter is the easiest way to find yeah, it just yeah. virtual talent on twitter very cool uh thank you for doing the show uh and we are definitely uh i this is the interview that i always love the the ones that like i instantly want to say let's find a time to talk again because uh i'm a, i love conversation i love talking geek pop culture and i feel like we can find a way to like we'll need to clear two hours for us to talk i think i feel like that's what, where this could uh, could end up uh so thanks for doing the show uh everyone out there make sure you check out inkshares.com and click the contest check out the nerdist one and uh you know too many controllers is is the one check out the other ones but right now i'm officially going to say it if you got to pick one pick too many controllers uh, and check out uh, the Punch Escrow if you got some time. Uh, you've been listening to Everything is Awesome right here on AwesomePodcast.com. All right, thanks once again to Tal Clyde for being on the show, uh, and I can't wait to have him back on because it was such a great conversation, as you heard. You could hear how into what I was. Um, so we will have him back on the show. Uh, I, have, I just want to chat with him. He's one of those guys that I can talk to for a very long time, have an interesting conversation with. Uh, coming up next is uh, Jason uh, Zalis. Uh, I'm not good at the this last name. Uh, let me pull it up in my notes. That was going off memory. Let's pull it up in my notes and make sure I got it right. Uh, first name, Jason Mazillas. I think I just said the same thing twice in a row there. But uh, he is a, um, a musician. Uh, very talented musician uh, who is also a um, pop culture uh, geek uh, and has, you know, ties to the geek world with his massive comic book collection. And we had a, another, you know, this is another very cool conversation uh, that went a little bit longer than we uh, normally do. Uh, and for this bonus Happy Fourth of July episode, you're getting a you know, normally we keep these episodes to an hour, but you're getting a two-hour episode out of this. Um, and, uh, you know, we are going to have Jason back on, too, because there was uh, a bunch of stuff that we didn't even get to in our conversation that um, I would like to touch on when he has more time. Uh, he's a busy guy, so it was hard to, you know, it took us a while to pin that this interview down. So we'll pin another interview down with him, and um, it will be just a great conversation because there's so much more to talk about. 
All right, so uh, here is my interview with Jason uh, right here on Everything is Awesome, uh, only on awesomepodcast.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I'm your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, this week's bonus guest, yes, this is going to be a bonus episode, uh, mainly because uh, I've, I've booked too many of these things is what, what happens. I booked too many interviews, and... Like I didn't like the episode that was supposed to come out a couple days ago for you guys. I completely like missed the the deadline. So uh, the way I make it that make that up to you is I just give you more things to listen to. Uh, so this week's guest uh, is a musician, uh, and from what his lovely publicist has told me, an all around geek. I, I've to- I've been told that he knows every little detail about any kind of geekdom you're going to throw his way. Uh, and that you should, uh, you know, be, um, you should expect that, uh, if any questions you have, he'll have the answer to, uh, that, I, that came from the man himself. Uh, he has an album that's coming out, uh, later in, you know, uh, we're releasing this, uh, you know, in a day, in a 24 hours, he'll have an album out that he'll, I'm sure, tell us about sometime in this hour. Uh, and just we're going to have an awesome conversation. It's one of those ones where I know as little as I can, and I hope that we have an awesome conversation about it. And as you all know, I never prep uh, to, to properly pronounce names on this show. So let's see if we can take a step at welcoming Jason Achilles Mazilis. <laughs> that, that would, you just put some southern drawl on it and you got it. <laughs> oh, Really? Yeah, that was actually. I'm I'm kind of impressed. Holy crap! That's uh, that's. See for the ne- for the last week or two, that's like I think I'm three for three now. Wow! Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm actually that that intro was. I don't feel like I should say anything else. I think that was about the best it's going to get. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next <laughs> week. Uh, yes. Thank you for doing the show. Um, we've been trying to make this happen uh, over the last, I think, a week and a half, two weeks. And um, we got it in at, at just at the end of the wire here, the 11th hour. Uh, but uh, yes, thank you for doing the show. Um, what sold me was, uh, let's see, I, I forget. I, I'm trying to see that, if I can pull it. Was that bad bag of money that ended up it on your doorstep? It was the bag of money. that No. Yeah. Uh, what sold me was, uh, where was it? Um, I, I swear she said something about like a massive comic book collection. Um, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> at, a, at a secret undisclosed location. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So... Um, before we get into all that, uh, for the benefit of myself and everyone listening, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I don't know. Are you a musician first, uh, or is there something else you consider yourself first? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> there's probably a lot of things I consider myself. Um, yeah, musician by trade, yeah. Um, I went to school for – I got a degree in music. Um, I started you know, with classical piano when I was a kid. Mm. And, uh, and to my parents, uh, chagrin, um, stuck with it as a career for, you know, forever, basically. Now, yeah. now, were they supportive in the beginning? And then as you got older, did they think you had to get a real job or? The, they might've been regretful for being as supportive as they were, but yes, they, <laughs> they've got nobody to, you know, blame but themselves. Um, yeah, my father was a musician actually. Okay. He was a classical guitarist. He's a Greek immigrant and, okay. um, so, but he was so good. He was actually uh, he was he was so good as a classical guitarist. It kind of steered me away from guitar as an instrument for like the first half of my life. 
Um, it just seemed impossible, you know. Um, so, so, uh, so what is, what's your, um, well, I started it on piano on okay. classical piano and then I eventually picked up guitar, but that was because of Van Halen records, not okay. because of, you know, Segovia. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then I studied, I actually studied composition and theory mm-hmm. and eventually landed in, uh, Los Angeles where I live now and I have a recording studio here. Oh, very cool. And I uh, slum around with the rest of the musicians in this town. So are, uh, are you a solo act or are you part of a band? Well, I have, uh, I have a band that I play in um, called Owl. Huh. And uh, we're, a, we're like a, a trio. I guess you call it a okay. power trio. Okay. Uh, the singer of our band, his name is Chris, Chris Wise. I was, okay. he's, we were good friends before we ended up in this band together. Mm-hmm. And um, he's also the bass player. He plays bass for a lot of... Uh, like right now, he plays bass with Ace Frehley from okay. Kiss. Okay, very um, cool. Before that, he was in the cult for many years. He's played with like Ozzy and oh, a wow. whole list of yeah, amazing. He, you know, an a- actual rock star. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have that band Owl that I play with, and um, and then prior to that, there was a band um, called Black Belt Karate as well. And uh, basically, when Black Black Belt Karate split up about a year and a half ago is when I decided to give this sort of solo instrumentalist thing a shot. Um, so Al is continuing. It's an ongoing band, but uh, we have a lot of time in between things because of everybody in the band mm-hmm. doing different stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So now I'm making solo instrumental music, and it sounds, I don't know, it's cool, though. People seem to like it. Well, so and uh, me, it's weird when I sit down and talk to a, a musician because, like... You and me both. <laughs> I, I'm... Um, <laughs> I, I'm more of a talk person, like so. And what I mean by that is, like, when I when I sit down and, and put the radio on, like, for as long as I can, as long as I've I, I've driven. So I'm 30. I'll be 32 this year. So for close to 16 years, uh, I've had a more natural instinct to to put on talk radio. That's all I listen to on the radio is actually is talk yeah, radio in the same way. Yeah. So like I'm a talk and like the the when 06 or, or or right around then when podcasting became a thing, like my my mind was blown because I it was this <laughs> world of like I can literally just listen to talk from the day the minute I wake up to the the minute I go to sleep. You know you have to listen to it. A goddamn like pretentious musical note for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, and so and, and where my Oops, music. Did I lose you? Uh, no. I'm here. I'm here. I you did drop out a little bit. I expect that to happen uh, from time to time, but we'll we'll work through it. We'll work through the. Uh, We're good. Yeah, technology is in in our grasp. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, so so for me, music. I've always been like. Obviously, I have a, a few of my you know mainstream bands that I, I've liked over the last couple decades here, but I'm more oh, of, tell like. Me. Uh, well, let's see. So uh, they're uh, I'm not. Uh, I guess I'm not ashamed of them. I'm a fan. Oh. Like I like I like Bon. <laughs> I'm a Bon Jovi fan. Does your audience know this, by the way? Well, as we're getting into this. Yeah. Well. Okay. So inter- interestingly enough, um, the last time music came up, like where I got into what I like to listen to, uh, is I don't know if you know um, Aaron McGathy. She's uh, the host of This Feels Terrible, uh, Human Conversation. She was on Harmon Town. She I was married to Dan Harmon, who created uh, Community for a brief period of time. She was on Community. She's a, like a, a, a 
she's known for like uh, live performances and stuff uh, out in LA actually out out west there. Uh, Busy lady. Yes, yes. Uh, she's going on tour. We we're, we're not here to talk. She had her hour <laughs> to shine. As as much as I would love to talk about Erin McGathy for another hour because she's like an idol of mine. We're gonna. This is about you, Jason. So, well, I, uh, I, 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 I too am awesome. So I, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone on this show is awesome. I don't. I don't. It's. A, I'm not allowed to have unawesome people on the show. It's in the name. Um, so, uh, but the last time I got into my musical taste was with uh, Aaron McAthy, and um, I talked about you know Bon Jovi, which uh, you know I I like that era of music. I'm a fan of like. Um, well, Bon Jovi is, you know, they've they've gone through quite a few eras. Actually. Yes, yeah, and and I've uh, I, now I'm though not, we do associate them with a very specific one. They actually lasted well into the '90s and beyond. Yes, uh, I I'm actually I feel I'm, like Alice Cooper backstage right now, educating about the uh, the Indians to Wayne and Garth. <laughs> I um I am probably more of a '90s uh, Milwaukee. Oh yeah, so uh, that's it's it's my life. Yes, yes, it? yes. Uh, that um, and and '90s is kind of like my music. I, every now and then I'll say '80s is like I had some stuff there, but really '90s. And the, a few weeks ago, when, uh, the the embarrass actually, I think by the time this episode airs, it's actually I might be spoiling this because I think this is going to air before the Aaron McGathy episode. Uh, but That's- I I got it. So a spoiler for next week's episode or for, or for the next episode with Aaron McGathy. Uh, I, I, we get into a little bit of conversation about how I had this, uh, Spice Girls phase. <laughs> That's, I think everybody had a Spice Girls phase. It just not, not all of them were about the music. Uh, I, I was, and I can't, I, I was, when I was a teenager, I was probably, I guess in maybe ninth grade. I, I can't remember what grade that era was, but I remember specifically liking the music like that. Like, and to an unhealthy degree, it was, uh, it was, I look back and it's kind of silly. Like, cause I don't know that I would listen to a song now and say, this is my jam. Well, you, you got to understand that, you know, the Spice Girls were genetically engineered for ninth graders <laughs> to like them very much. That's true. That's very, so, very true. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed. You had science, uh, you know, against you. Um, so, so to answer your question, yes, I have gotten into my, to some of my musical preferences. Um, I'm trying to think of like modern day bands that I, I'm into. But see, the, the pro, like ever since I've been podcasting on various shows since 2006. Um, so for almost so almost a complete 10 years, I think like June, I, I've actually yeah. probably already hit the 10 year mark. I think I started in like the end of June in 06. Well, congratulations. So yes, a decade of, of being a failure at podcasting. It's fantastic. You, 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 owe, you owe yourself a diamond shaped piece of cardboard or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I should, you know, that's what you, uh, musicians get the, the, the platinum and diamond records. I'm just going to get like a cardboard version have of that. 14 of those. Oh, wh- Okay. No, <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, I wouldn't be surprised because here's. The- I'd, I'd be a little surprised, but that would be that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, and see, so ever since I've been doing podcasting, I've been I'm more of a fan of indie. Um, I I think that uh, there's just more all overall talent in the indie world, um, and I I've always been a supporter of it. So even though I'm more of a talk guy, this is a long winded say, long winded way of saying, even though I'm a talk guy. I always love uh, listening to giving as much um, promotion and respect to indie artists that I can because 
obviously you guys have well, to much appreciated. hustle a hundred times more than the mainstreamers for far less listenership. Um, well, I don't know if it's necessarily that we're doing more work. It's just that there's a lot less people doing the work. You know, you're yes, you're a hundred percent accurate, and and that's why, um, you know, I think a, an indie musician more than any other kind of indie artist out there, even an author or podcaster or, or whatever, I feel like you guys have the most hats to wear. Uh, you know, on top of having, it's it's also one of the things that you have to just be talented at. Uh, to to you know, uh, go anywhere with it. Like anyone can put pen to paper. Uh, anyone can sit. I mean, I'm proof that anyone can grab a mic and talk into it. Uh, but, but I don't. I don't think anyone can just pick up a guitar and start playing it. Uh, well, unfortunately, I think more people try than should. But <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, um, I, I I don't think I would disagree. But you know, it, it's interesting too how like. I mean, you take somebody like Katy Perry, who started as an independent artist here in L.A. playing, uh, like I'm playing tonight at the piano bar, mm-hmm. uh, playing this crazy ragtime blues honky-tonk thing with a, uh, one of my artists that I record a lot. And uh, we've been doing a residency there for years, you know, I play every Thursday doing this crazy piano stuff. Right around the corner is this little bar called the Hotel Cafe, and uh, Katy Perry used to play there all the time herself. Yeah. And you know, hustled and everything and like, you know, as an independent artist and then got picked up and obviously now she's, you know, stratosphere superstar. And, but by all accounts I've heard, she's like one of the hardest working people there is out there. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the, the, where the division of talent, the, the perceived division of talent lies is that when you get to be a bigger artist, it becomes a lot more about the production team in mm. terms of the music and things like that. Like people hear this like high level of production and they sort of, sometimes they can be dismissive of, of the song or the song ends up being a songwriting team. Mm. So there's, I don't think there's less talent less necessarily, or, but I think things get spread out, you know, kind of like we were saying, you know, like it's just, just more people yeah. doing work, which is also a pain in the ass because then somebody's got to, you know, manage all this. Um, so I, I don't know. Personally, I, I have, I actually have a, a tremendous respect for these mega pop artists, even though uh, musically it's maybe not, <laughs> you know, but it's, but it's, it's a different kind of talent. I think, yeah. you know, when these songs get Grammys and, and a lot of times, you know, the songwriters get rewarded for these songs. I, sometimes I feel that the production team is really the ones that should mm. be, Sort of, and what I think the production team gets when it gets song of the year, I think that's when they sort of get recognized. But mm-hmm. it's just sort of like it's a transference of, you know, the uh, there, there, there's a high caliber of performance and and dedication. It just gets sort of transferred to laterally to a different bunch of people. If that mm-hmm. I don't know, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I, I can I. I it- uh, you can dissect do, do, that and and and. Do, uh, do we just put our audience to sleep? Uh, you know, I I just uh, I, I had a puppies cat videos. <laughs> you know, that's Bikinis. funny. It's so funny that that's like still kind of like the go-to um, like uh, internet audience thing is to the point where like I've we uh, I'm uh, again I don't like to call myself a, a, a writer. Uh, I said this. That's. There's a couple of themes to everything is awesome here. Uh, one of them is uh, we 
don't stay on topic. Another one is... Uh, well, we're doing a good job of that. Yes. <laughs> another, <laughs> another one is uh, storytelling, which is uh, usually a topic of conversation. Uh, and, my, and my love of indie. Like, they're the three things that are common here. So I never... Uh, I like to write. Writing is... Like, I talk about writing often because it's usually like, oh, you're doing... It comes up in conversation. But I'm not... I never consider myself a writer. I consider myself more of a storyteller. Um and there was a point to that that I'm sure we'll come back in 20 minutes or so. Um, but the, the uh, I don't know. It's one of the, I have I lost the the thought thought. Uh, so let's move on. Something about comic books. Yeah, comic books. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, oh God, I, it was gonna be an intelligent point. Oh, I think here it is. <laughs> Uh, we go on many uh, tangents that get serious. Uh, like uh, maybe serious isn't the right uh, term, but it's like an in-depth. We we get in-depthy here on this show some, from time in, to time. In-depthy in is actually getting added to the 2017 Webster. Uh, yeah, I I hope so, <laughs> and I hope That's, they give me the credit. They are going to give you the credit and no money. <laughs> That's fine. That's as I. You should you should be an artist. I if I, I consider see I consider podcasting and art like that's that's i i don't get paid for it <laughs> and, uh, uh i actively Isn't that more of a hobby <laughs> yes you know it's funny um so i another thing that most people would probably call a hobby of mine but uh back in the day i used to wrestle like wwe style wrestling no kidding uh, yes i was and trained i um the uh Back in the 90s, there's this guy who uh, was like the king of the indie, independent circuits called Reckless Youth Tom Carter. Um, and he's from out this way. Uh, and he, he trained me. Like he was, he was um, under the farm division for WWE. He was con under contract with them for a while. Um, and then things didn't work out. And um, he eventually uh, moved back around here. And uh, I was trained by him. And uh, are, are you like physically monstrous or something? No, you, not you, at all, dude. You, you sound like a pretty friendly sort of guy. I could have a beer at a yes, bar with without I, worrying I, about I am, getting killed. Um, yeah, no, you will not get killed. I am a uh, the way I like to describe myself, personality and and looks wise, is kind of like a less famous, slightly thinner Kevin Smith. Um, well, <laughs> I would hate for somebody to say a slightly larger Kevin Smith. No, no, yeah, I'm not larger at all. I'm thin, I'm definitely thinner. But I, uh, I even yeah. Kevin Smith talks about how he used to be a slightly thinner Kevin Smith. Yes, uh, I, I, yeah, I probably when he made Clerks, I'm, I'm maybe I'm even thinner than Clerks, Kev. But uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I, he was he was good back then. Yeah, well, he, you know, he always wore the black trench yes, coat too. Yes. So. Um, and was it black? Wait a minute, I'm trying uh, to think. Yeah, or a very well, dark gray. I mean, the whole damn movie was black and white, so it's hard to. <laughs> yes, in Clerks, it's hard to pinpoint it, but yeah. uh, in the other movies, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a. Well, yeah, because he was doing the all the Batman shit, so he yeah, had to have yeah, been, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, oh, so I'm not it, it, monstrous at all. Uh, Segway, give me your favorite Kevin Smith movie. Chasing Amy. Quickly. Really? That's like the worst one. What? I mean, all the lesbian stuff aside, but like, oh, really? Yeah, it's just it's like depressing. Oh, so here, okay, this is another thing that comes. <laughs> this is another theme of the show. I mean, not not worst, like badly made, but oh. it's just it's just not like you don't. I don't feel good when that movie. No, ends. see, it's but like, oh, that God. is that is the movie that I'll put. Like, if I ever feel like I need to cry, I'll put Chasing Amy on. Like, oh, so you're one of these people that watches Games of Thrones a lot, right? No, no <laughs> I've I have not watched. I've tried to watch the first episode, have fallen asleep three times. <laughs> 
But chasing Amy keeps you raptured. Huh? Yes, I, I love chasing. <laughs> now, I'd say like the movie of his that uh, makes me laugh the most. Or, it's gotta or, be Mallrats. Yeah, it's easily yeah. Mallrats. Um, but uh, but the movie, I I, I don't know. Um, Jay and I, Silent Bob is actually not as it's you know it's pretty stupid, but yeah. it's got some pretty good moments in it when yeah, you go back I, and, and oddly enough so kevin as, I, a, as a watched as a rental it's uh, and for those of us who still remember what rentals <laughs> were i i love it uh, so uh, how old are you if you don't mind. i'm old enough to remember rentals yeah so that's like <laughs> i have to assume based off i used to do a show that was on stickcam.com i don't know if you remember stickcam i uh, don't it was it was a it was um a site like ustream and yeah. um, I don't even know what's hip now for live streaming. I, uh, it's, it's all this, I think. This but, is it. But uh, stickcam.com was like the YouTube of live streaming. Um, okay. And we used to do a show on there. Uh, I did a couple shows on there. And, you know, our audience was like all teenagers. So assuming that my, my audience hasn't grown up with me, because why would they? I, I, I'm not, I haven't gotten any more mature. Uh, then there's a bunch of people listening to the show that don't know what VHS is. They don't know rental stores. Um, and they probably don't even know what CDs are. If we're going to be honest, you know, I, I don't miss CDs at all. I got to, I'll tell you, um, I miss VHS. I don't miss CDs. Uh, See, you know what, I, I, because uh, I've never been, like, when I was younger, I bought CDs, because that's when I, oh, I can't listen, I, I can't listen to They're just too time. fragile, you yeah. can, like, yeah. like, remember, like, cassettes, okay, if you have yeah. a cassette in your car, you can throw it in the back seat, yeah. and in, yeah. unless it melts in 120 degree temperature, it doesn't really matter, you know, CDs, like, you can't scratch them, yeah. can't sit yeah. on them, it's, yeah. what's the fun yeah. of that? Yeah, uh, I, what you was throw your, them at each other. What was your first cassette that you ever bought? Def Leppard hysteria. Oh God, I, I am, <laughs> and I was very proud. This, this. Uh, and I, by the way, I am a Def Leppard fan. I, I uh, again, haven't listened to them in years. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, there, they were. That was a, that was a band that was on. My uncle is only sixteen years older than me, so we're pretty close right. in age. You, you want a, you want a good story? Yes, go for it. I'm going to give you a good Def okay. Leppard story. All okay, right, let's hear it. so I, uh, I, this, okay. Condense, condensing the story, I ended up playing in a band here in Los Angeles with uh, Vivian Campbell, mm -hmm. who is the guitar player who replaced Steve Clark in okay. Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, amazing guitarist. He was playing with Dio when he was 19, you know, like mm -hmm. way back when. And um, we were in a band for a very short time. I was sort of filling in. So I think over the course of two years, we played three shows or something okay. like that. Um, but through that Vivian he's just he's a he's a really nice guy he was always very cool to me and um Def Leppard was rehearsing for one of their tours here in the valley uh you know the, all the all the great rehearsal studios in Los Angeles for the most part are, are in the valley they're not in Hollywood because it's just cheaper you know yeah. out there so um I go to pick up my so he basically he says yeah if you ever want to come down to a rehearsal you're, you're welcome to come down I'm like well Obviously, I'm going to do that. That's amazing. This is, you know, <laughs> are you kidding me? So uh, I had a guitar student at the time, and I go pick up my guitar student one day, and I say, hey, listen, I'm, we're not doing the lesson. I'm going to take you to a rehearsal of a friend of mine. And that's all I told him. Uh -huh. I said, it's a band. I think you'll dig it. He says, okay, what are we going to see? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just this will be cool. And he's like, okay. So I take him, and we go, and we find this, you know, rehearsal studio sort of 
in this unmarked building deep in the valley here. <laughs> and we go in, and what I didn't realize is that we were the only ones there. So we go in, and <laughs> my student comes in with me, and there's this big stage. It's this big room. There's Def Leppard on stage rehearsing. There's a couple couches, and there's nobody there. <laughs> it's just us and the band, and, and Vivian's like, oh, hey, yeah, have a seat. And we sit there, and we watch him do their entire set. Oh, that's so cool. Just, just me and him. That's very and, cool. And he, he, I think his jaw came off the ground about halfway into it. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> it was, and there was like some pizza and some cokes, and I think they're, they're like the techs were there, you know, and the roadies and yeah, people, because yeah. they were they were prepped while they're, the band is rehearsing the material. The guys are like, you know, they're readying their own stuff for the tour, all the technical yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I knew a couple of those guys, but uh, yeah, that was. Uh, as a like you know just as a fan and you're not knowing what yeah. to expect I, yeah that's cool yeah it's, uh, <laughs> that was that was a good one i I, oh, I love when i either hear stories or am part of the story of like meeting someone that um you're a fan of and it pans out right those like, those guys are all totally cool yeah i was i was cool. i'm always afraid to meet my heroes yes should be yeah, they, they can uh, they, <laughs> hey, for good reason. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I I always go back to um, Kevin Smith's story about meeting Bruce Willis and, and how horrible that experience was. I haven't heard this out on one of his like speeches that he's online things that he yeah, has. Yeah, I'm sure if you Google Kevin Smith Bruce Willis, you can find a clip of it somewhere. Um, it's uh, when they did Cop Out. Um, uh, he it was a I think it was a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, I maybe not. Yeah, I forget who know, wrote it. It was. The I believe was that one uh, passed up for a Grammy nomination. Or? <laughs> yes, it was definitely Grammy, Oscar, whatever. Yes, they, yeah. it was passed up for all the awards. <laughs> uh, it was. Um, it it was not a Kevin Smith written movie. It was the first movie he went out and directed um, that he didn't write. Is this one of those like sad times when Kevin Smith tries to make serious movies? No, no, no. It was a comedy. It was. Okay. So, do you remember the other guys with Will? Farrell and yes. Mark Wahlberg. So Cop Out uh, was originally titled A Couple of Dicks, uh, starring... <laughs> Why didn't... That would have been so much better. Uh, if, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I th I think the uh, the Blu-ray version uh, is like they... The, the, the subtitle is, is called that or something. But um, the original stars of Cop Out were supposed to be Mark Wahlberg and Will Farrell. Um, and that was a Warner Brothers movie, and then something happened, and they went to Sony and did uh, the other guys while Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan did. Oh, out. got it. All and, right. Um, it is. You know what? I I don't hate it. It's it's a it's a, it pays tribute to like buddy cop movies. Um, I don't know. Bruce Willis, even like I don't know. He's he's just always entertaining i feel like even if it, the movie completely sucks somehow I, you're still okay watching him i agree you know? like uh, now i i liked uh die i think die hard four was not the most recent one die hard five was the most recent one so die I, hard, you know i kind of fell off on the die hard well, to be honest with you just because like you're, you're trying to follow up mozart with you know hayden yeah I, I don't well, know like they're okay but like die yeah. hard john mctiernan is such a masterful action director mm. that mm. like i mean he did you know you're talking about die hard hunt for red october mm. and predator yeah 
Uh, I think you, all back to back. I mean, who, who's going to follow that? And to me, right? Die Hard is like one of those like perfect. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, it, there's zero percent wrong with Die Hard. It's it's a it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. I'll I'll fight anyone that says that it's not a Christmas movie. It <laughs> well, is, yeah, of course it's a Christmas it's, movie. It's I try to, and I always fail. But I like to do for Halloween because I'm a big Halloween fan. But for Halloween, I like to do. Uh, 30 days of uh, or 31 days of um, Halloween movies and then in, in December I like to do like 25 to 30 some days of Christmas movies. I usually that's, average about 6 to 10 movies in that month. That was gonna, That's a tough like, the Halloween movies are all awesome because you yes. can just, there's endless amounts of oh, great totally. horror films but I mean you know when you, you've got Bad Santa and you've got Elf and you've got Die Hard and then you start to get into trouble well and see I also I won't mind watching some of the bad Christmas movies I, what originally turned me on to watching I, I'm always a, I'm a fan of B horror movies I think they're great well, there is a, such a thing as B Christmas movies that are so bad they're good. And the, the one that comes to mind is Santa with Muscles starring Hulk Hogan. And I, I don't know who else because it was that bad of a movie. <laughs> what? But it's, it's, it's Hulk Hogan. Uh, somehow ends up being Santa or playing like playing a mall Santa or I forget that it's so bad that like I, I watched it uh, probably about six seven years ago now. Uh, All right, I've I've got a request for you. At yeah. some point in this podcast, maybe at the end, you've got to you got to put Hulk Hogan's theme song music uh, sure. on here. I yeah. will I will admit, you know what? Uh, I, because uh, you said it, I'll, uh, right here as we're talking, as I mentioned Hulk Hogan, you're hearing. You should hear the bed. You should hear a little faint. So, music. my band Black Belt Karate was oh, the no. name of my band. The okay. band that split up before I went yeah. on to embark on my illustrious solo career here, yeah. and we would use that song that you're playing now. Yes. Hopefully, yes. Uh, we would come out on stage to this. That's amazing. The I wanna be a Hulkamania. Yeah. Oh, that and is. And he's kind of rapping. Maybe yeah. the rap's happening right now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow, that is amazing. I am. Uh, I see. I, I don't follow. <laughs> you are about to get sued. That's what you are doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, because this is a news program ish. Uh, is this like fair use kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's uh, that's how I always roll. I see. I don't run ads. Well, let, me, so. let me know how that works out for you. Yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> it's worked out for ten years now. Isn't granted, Hulk? Isn't he too busy getting? Yeah. Isn't he in court for something anyway right now? Or I think he just won. I think he took. I think he took. Oh, so he's back at the height of his powers. Yeah, yeah you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no. See, uh, we're talking. Over, I think if you talk over it, especially, um, well, I think you're safe. Even okay, with, so yeah. just feel, keep, keep talking, Phil. Yeah, no, no. Or I guess we're done now, right? Yeah, Hulk's, it's probably Hulk's over, faded out now. Yeah, okay, yeah. we're good. Uh, but that, I, I always love. I it, it makes me smile that you you came out to that music because I always love like th throwing a little wrestling angle into anything that I do live. Uh, and fingers crossed, uh, we are. Uh, and I think, but I should find out at the time of this recording tomorrow. By the time this airs. I've hopefully already found out, and I can say this, but I'm hoping that we've booked um, in Philadelphia. They do a podcast festival. I actually think that's a thing everywhere now. Um, but there's I, we applied to be do a live show uh, for the podcast festival out here in Philly. You have to come out in your wrestling outfit. Uh, well, I, I, 
I still have some of my tights up in the attic, but the the last one I wore, and I'll post it to Twitter. Uh, this is this is not optional. Uh, it's, well, you know, I'm I I can wear. So I have my Heartbreak uh, Kid tights. I used to not wrestle. I, I my original gimmick was Heartbreak Kev, uh, and I wrestled as as basically a Shawn Michaels ripoff. Um, and then I eventually had my own gimmick where I had my own tights, but the most recent outfit that I have got destroyed. Um, and it was a, it, it was like a silver, it almost looked like a silver spacesuit. Um, it was, a, it was an awesome outfit that is just unfortunately dead, but I can probably find a pair of tights and wear them out to the live show. I, f- I feel like there's three, three classes of people that can like have the conversation that you just had about <laughs> talking about your tights and you've got, you've got wrestlers, yes. you've got, uh, superheroes and yes. you've got eighties rock yes. guitarists. Yes. Uh, you know, and it's, it's funny because, um, uh, they, there's this big like uh, thing that's out there now that that uh, women love this Lululemon uh, clothing line. That's Who, like what is this Lululemon? Uh, okay, and it's a clothing line. They're like people know them for their leggings. I think I, I'm still not a hundred percent up on it. I just know that my fiance bought a couple le- bought a couple leggings, and like they have kid ones too. And um, someone said something about like. By, like my son wear my they might get my son a pair of them and like they looked at me like I'd be angry about it I'm like you're totally looking at the guy that used to wear tights and and fake punch people so I if you're looking to me I have a problem with someone wearing that what's essentially tights I'm not gonna have that problem uh, so I'm a fan of like I I used to like literally walk around town in them like I we'd finish for us I started off in the backyard um, as most <laughs> Uh, yeah, East coasters do, at least, and um, with it with a trampoline and an insurance policy. No, I I never did. I never did the trampoline. I started off. Uh, on, you probably didn't do the insurance policy either, did you? Oh, of course not. Yeah, uh, I started off on the grounds. <laughs> like we, my, the very first thing I ever did was literally like we didn't do any wrestling moves. We literally like punched, fake kick. Like we did the minimal the minimal thing that you could do to be a wrestler. But then we we hooked up with these guys that did wrestle on the trampoline, and we combined the formats of actually wrestling and yeah. the ground, which was a bad idea. That sounds comfortable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We and, and well, no, we had a tarp down. So I mean, it oh, a made, tarp. Yeah. That, that that's yeah, sure, okay. Uh, and yeah, all vinyl protection between yes. you and the hard surface. Yeah, I mean, and we made sure that the, those rocks were in the corners so that we didn't land on them in the middle of the ring. Uh, but uh yeah so i would we would um you know use fake blood uh some of us were real idiots and would take blades to our foreheads uh and um we but we would get all bloodied up real or fake or whatever uh and after we're done our matches we'd we'd go around the quarter to 7-eleven still in our gear uh, and, and bleeding and, out your skulls. Yeah. yeah. So uh, me, I always said that unless I'm getting paid forty thousand a year, uh, I will not cut myself. So, uh, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> but but for forty grand, it's open season. Well, yeah. it's it's and, and it's silly. I guess now like forty grand isn't enough to do it. But I mean, maybe there's just a little bit of investment for inflation. You yeah, yeah. Consider. But when I when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, like that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. Like my dream, I was going to wrestle. Like I was going to. And and I always said uh, professionally. You're sort of like Roddy Piper meets Iggy Pop. Is yeah. the movie. 
I eat some peanut butter and you, you're good to go. Yeah, I, I was going to be I, – I wanted to professionally wrestle. I never said I want to go to WWE. I, I wanted to wrestle in front of a live-paying crowd. And there's a couple local um, federations or whatever that were in our area that I eventually – I wrestled for. Or we created our own and we eventually took our own gig out and, and toured the, the, you know, the local scene here. And um, – so, like, for me, goal accomplished. Now, to, to kind of round this conversation out, my fiancé <laughs> said it was, uh, it, you, it was a hobby. You weren't a professional. You didn't get paid, which it I – kind of stings a little, doesn't it? I, I, it does because to me, I, I, I did get paid, but as one of the, uh, like, people that helped control it, I just always threw my money back in to put on the next show. Um, so uh, I consider it professional – I wrestled in front of a crowd that booed me, cheered me, whatever I needed them to do, uh, and it was most importantly like a whole lot of fun. Like that was a time in my life when people say you you've wrestled like that's stupid. I always go and say I could have been doing drugs or something really bad. like I could have been a bad kid. I just fake punched people. Well, it's the fake part that I think is the differentiation, right? Uh, well, see, and that's the thing. That, like, <laughs> I, I, uh, I like the term predetermined because I, I've had, <laughs> I, as I'm sitting here doing doing this show, like I have to adjust my back every now and then from uh, the year. Like I probably wrestled for almost a decade, uh, from 16 to about 20. Uh, uh, probably you, eight you, years. Didn't, you didn't get fucked up too bad you can like still walk straight yeah no, yeah no I mean, major I, spinal injuries no no i the the worst i ever got it was um i i tore a bunch of ligaments in my ankle uh and that's the worst i ever uh i got it which you know, yeah, it's not i mean it's that it sucks but not yeah it's yeah, not and, like and i was like i i think i don't even think i was 18 yet so it wasn't when i was doing it professionally it was i i, I got that injury for the backyard for the love of it and um, so I was so young. What, it healed what, what's worse, like football or wrestling when it comes to, you know, destructive force on your body? Uh, well, I would have I would imagine football probably ends up being worse because theoretically, as a wrestler, you're not looking to hurt each other. You're looking to put on a great show and make it look real while protecting not yourself, but the other person. Whereas like, football, more like bur burly acrobatics or yes, something. Yes, and whereas football is more of, I'm going to hurt the other person. So right. I would imagine that... Um, Football is yeah. a little more like politics. Yes, yeah. I would imagine that's, <laughs> that's definitely the worst one. Um and I, you know, even though like I, like my ankle, like my knees, I have like arthritis in my knees from it because we weren't re like it, we wrestled in the backyard. But you're also years. 78 years old right now. Yes, I mean, 78. Younger, yeah. yeah, it's I'm I'm just now starting to like wind down. I like I stopped get wrestling last week, so I mean <laughs> the arthritis, the the uh, the broken bones that I got on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, that's all I could like, and that's my like. If anyone were like, if my son were to come to me and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrestle in the backyard," the first thing I'd say is, "Okay, well, l let me show you how to do it right, so you don't hurt, kill yourself." Because there are idiot teenagers that do it and light tables on fire and stuff, and and can but get. They sure, here. they sure get a lot of hits on YouTube. They do, and and see, it's a shame that I wasn't so part of. Oh, maybe that maybe they're not as dumb as we think they maybe are. Maybe not. Yeah, we yeah, it's a. We were about five to ten years shy of the YouTube generation for our wrestling um, because we waited until we had a license from the state of Pennsylvania to light our tables on fire. 
Um, oh yeah, you can't you can't yeah, wait for things like that. Yeah, not in the YouTube generation. The kids want it now, and it's 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 amazing. Like we did do dumb things, like jump off the roof of a shed. Um, we we uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, where where I live, it's illegal to um, break uh, f- uh, fluorescent light bulbs. Uh, you're, wait, you're kidding me. Uh, it's I, it might be illegal everywhere now, but ten years that, ago, I I didn't think it was. It's like un, it's like un-American to have I, a law like that. Well, I mean, we shattered. We would go to the hardware store and buy bulks of them because the effect of them shattering is amazing. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, we used to do uh, uh, that. Was probably the the dumbest. That and the fire table were the dumbest things we did um there's there's a band out here and i can't remember um so the drummer of the drummer of my last band now plays with dweezil zappa and he he tours with him a lot and i think it's his i want to say it's maybe even his drum tech for when he's touring with zappa this guy has a band out and i saw him and they part of their set is that they smash each other with these things that's <laughs> and like and 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 it's there's blood everywhere and and you know they're insane. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, uh, I mean, oh, yeah, it's it's awesome, but it's you know it's a little hard to watch sometimes. But, yeah. but <laughs> it's, I mean, it's you know, it's the kind of thing where like, hey, like kind of like you you know, you, you, hey, I I didn't get it. You didn't get me enough blood squirting out of my you know <laughs> artery in that last hit. Take another swing, kind of thing. Well, know? and that like I said, like I never even when I started getting paid for wrestling, which again was like twenty five bucks a show. So that's why it always just went right back into it. Um, I, I even then I was like, I'm not like if I bleed, I bleed, but I'm never gonna like have a razor blade tucked into my wristband to cut myself later. Because uh, it was so, like, and I'm, and and in hindsight, I was correct because it was like it, I'm at, thir- at 32 now or 78, whatever you want to choose to believe. Uh, like I I don't have scars all over my head like you know all these wrestlers do from doing it when they weren't getting paid or when they when the WWE was in that era of you know blood all the time. I got I got a buddy out here um, in one of the bands. One of you know there's so many bands in LA. Um, this guy Joe Joe Menente is his name, and uh, he he's a professional comedian. Um, but he he had a band. Uh, God, I can't remember the name of the band. Glory Stompers, I think. Anyway, he would he would take a, a stapler, um, you know, like industrial power stapler, and he would and you would throw up money on stage, and he would he would staple oh. it to his forehead. Yeah, no, thank you. And he would get mad if like he didn't hit like the right spot, you know, if it if it just uh, went in and just kind of drizzled like he want, you know, he wanted it like spurting. No, yeah, I you know I I've never been that show. guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know what though, I did the one thing I I considered to do uh, was the thumbtacks, the Mick Foley. Let's throw some thumbtacks on the grounds, and uh, you'll backflip me, Ric Flair, backflip me onto the. Um, Onto the thumbtacks, uh, and I never did it because everyone said I was stupid for wanting to do that. But I thought that yeah. would be a cool way to do something that was like, you know, for us would have been like hardcore because you know, not like there was one guy that like juiced and and took a blade to his head uh, yeah. and went way too deep, way too long, had to go to the ER for it. Uh, <laughs> so that's that like that was especially when I said no, we're not going to do this. Well, I mean, you know, I guess it worked out. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, you know, for me, um, like I have the logo for the, the we, we, we've called it Falls Township Wrestling. 
because uh, it was the area we wrestled in. I have that logo tattooed on my body uh, because it is like it is probably um, at least in my teenage years, early late teenage and early twenties. Like that's definitely one of the most important parts of my life uh, was was that wrestling. And people said when I got that tattoo, you're gonna regret it. You know what? I don't. I still. I mean, I, I'm six. I, I've had the tattoo now for 14 you, years. I and don't. You don't. And you don't have a tattoo of a thumbtack. So there you go. Yeah. yeah I mean, I could have done that. I could have done so. Or like a pony. Like there's. Ask, um, ask me how I know that. Uh, <laughs> we are not going to tell. Um, okay. So uh, I don't know how we got on this wrestling tangent, but we did. Um, and we're going to bring it back to, uh, I have no you. Idea. yeah, let's go back Me. to you for a little bit. Yeah. I, I, but I was, I was not a wrestler. Yes. So, I, I, I wrestled the school bully once we got, <laughs> I took a wrestling class okay. and like, this is like straight up out of your, you know, one of your like teenage, you know, angst comedy yes. things were like, we're, we're in line and you're like, they, they put you all in line facing each other. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh God, it's that guy. <laughs> and sure enough, I get called up and it's the, the fucking guy that terrorizes me all the time. And he comes up and I, now I have to wrestle this asshole. And of course, like I get put into like, you know, the bitch position, I guess what, yeah. what do they call that one. Uh, yeah. I don't see. I've never was into that. Like, like what's actually oh, a talented terrible, wrestling. Man. And then like, now you're getting humiliated and like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll pass on wrestling. Yeah. I, well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I was always into like fake wrestling, WWE wrestling, as a kid, and then kind of fell out of it for a little while. Got back into it, and then eventually, like, said, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to train in it and, and and whatnot." But I was never into. I guess it's like, uh, I guess they call it amateur wrestling. Is is. Uh, that but collegiate wrestling maybe is another term for it but I never was into that I never like I always in gym class like was hoping like please put me in health class the rotation that I'm supposed to be doing wrestling there's nothing worse than the smell of another man's gym shorts shoved (laughs) into your you know face like oh god it's gym class for me was always all unless like we were doing like so my high school, at some point, we were I mean, able if to. You, take... If you could wrestle with the girls, that'd be something. But just, <laughs> yeah. they, they, I don't, they don't do it like that. No, no, no they don't. I, I mean, they may with the the as people become more liberal with the uh, transgender thing. Feeling, you know, if you feel like this, uh, they may allow it a little bit. Who knows? Hey, they're going to have to have a whole third classification of of dorms to, anyway. So yeah. there you go. Um. Wow, I don't know where I was going. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, where are you originally from? Out west, or are you uh, from somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, I was born in Chicago, but yeah, okay. I mean, I grew up most of my life in California. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually up in the Bay Area. Okay, like uh, San Jose, um, where all your iPhones are. From. Oh yes, yeah, so, so you're near, right near Silicon Valley, and and. Yeah, well, I so I grew up in uh, Cupertino, which is actually the little town where Apple okay. started. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, when I first got my first iPhone, it and you check the like the weather, they yeah. have the little weather thing, and it it defaults to Cupertino, and I was looking, I'm like, holy shit, how does this thing know where I'm from? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I guess they all do that. So yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't see. I was a late iPhone person. Like I was. Yeah, this was back in the '60s. You know when yeah. Apple was first getting. Going. <laughs> I um, eighteen the eighteen sixties. Eighteen sixties. Do you hey, do you happen to do stand up? Because you are you are a funny dude. Like you, most musicians I talk to don't have jokes. 
most musicians, are, uh, well, they, some of them are knuckleheads. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, th- I, I think they got to the point where they watched Spinal Tap and, and it wasn't funny to them anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's when they, yeah, that's, that's, that's not the point you want to be at. Yeah. Uh, you, you sound like you're a dude that could definitely take like a stab at, at, at an open mic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's the next step down from when the music career doesn't work <laughs> out. Then, then I'll just go straight to having people yell at me on stage without a guitar. And, to, like, well, that's, see, that's what I'm expecting. Now I know. Now I remember how we got into the wrestling conversation. That's I plan on making my entrance to the live podcast show in like true wrestling fashion of like getting a theme song out. And oh and, yeah. So. Absolutely. Have the girls come out with the numbers and everything. And, and it's, or wait, do they, is that just boxing? That's Yeah, that's just boxing. Um, I, though, why, would uh, you know, not, why would they not do that in wrestling? That's like the best part of... Uh, they may do it in... They don't do it in WWE. They may do it have in... A, are you going to have a cape or are you going with the whole Incredibles no cape thing? Oh, yeah. No, there's no capes. You can't do it. No capes. Cape. Yeah, no, no capes. capes. Yeah. Um, so when did you go... Like, when did you get By into producing... By the way, the Incredibles... Yes. Best animated movie of the last oh. God of what? When was that? Ten years ago or something? It was Five almost years ten years ago, if not a little yeah. longer. Yeah, I, yes. Best it, animated movie in a decade, and I it is say. definitely the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever had. Well, uh, I mean, that's you know, Beethoven with you know was a better Fantastic Four movie than any of the Fantastic Four movies. You know, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen the. New- and I don't mean Beethoven like the. I mean Beethoven the dog. Yeah, no, I I knew where you were going. All right. uh, I haven't seen the Broden, new. Right? Yeah. I haven't seen the new Fantastic Four. Um, I've heard that it's awful. It, it it looked like it had an interesting take, but it definitely did not look good. It astounds me how they get some of these movies so well done and others so just completely miss the point. Well, and, and it seems like to me, um, when it comes to the Marvel stuff at the very least, yeah. Um, I mean, it, give it to Marvel. Pretty well, by and large, I think, you know. Yeah, like, and I think that's where, we're, where Fantastic Four is heading. Like, Fox has success with X-Men. I, I think it's time for them to let Fantastic Four go. Here's where I think Fantastic, Fantastic Four will work. Netflix. Like, do what they did with Daredevil and, and Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica Jones is great. Yeah, I, I, I liked Daredevil season one more. I haven't seen Daredevil yet. Oh, my God. If you like Jessica Jones, dude, Daredevil season one and season two are fantastic. Um, I've, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard this. Good. Uh, to me, season one of Daredevil is the best thing Marvel has put out in any medium they've done as far as live action goes. So that's, that's quite an endorsement. Yeah, it, it is just so. Once again, the serious. once again the big bag of money shows up. <laughs> yes, I mean, when uh, when the, these studios they know who to come to and who to pay off to to get a yeah, good review. This isn't. It's it's not hard to find. All the contact information's right there. Yeah. Uh, now, if I was saying this about Batman versus Superman, you'd know I'd be. I was getting paid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've I. Yeah, I um, haven't you know, seen no, it. I haven't seen I, it. That's unfair of me. I have not I seen the, it yet. I saw the new X Men movie, and it was yeah, wasn't that good. Uh, Which was really disappointing because they, you know this is Brian Singer. You yes, think, yes. Who uh, who did such a fucking great job with the first two, mm-hmm. especially the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree. Um, what did you, what did you think of Days of Future Past? Um, well, you know, it, it took me a while to warm up to the new cast, just because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I, I they did such a good job 
you know, with yes. that first, with, especially with the casting with yes. the first yes. group of movies, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think that well, the Fastbender's amazing. I mean, yes. he, you know, he he could take a shit and everybody yeah, would, yep. you know, um, the guy, the the Professor X guy, yeah. uh, what's his name? The, the oh, uh, James McAvoy. Okay, so I think it took him. I think he settled into it after, like in the with the second one. I think he settled yeah. into it. Yeah. And the Apocalypse is what the third or fourth one now. It's the to, third of the new series. Okay, so the second one is the one with uh, Wolverine going back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, that yeah, that was great. Um, that plus it's it's sort of like you you have Hugh Jackman to sort of like pull these kids you know yeah. into the I. I really re- miss well. Besides all the obvious reasons, uh, Rebecca Romaine was was so perfect as Mystique, and and uh, I just haven't I just haven't really bought like, and especially the new cast now mm. with um, who's the girl from Game of Thrones who's uh, Jean Grey now in the new one? Oh, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I'm not the right person to ask. I, but I, know I don't know either. It. I just know she's on there, but yeah. I don't know, man. I just wasn't really. And so I have not I seen didn't, Apocalypse. Didn't, didn't, um, it's kind of like I don't know. So you saw uh, Avengers, right? Uh, the Ultron, yes, yes, the fiasco, right? Yes, with, yes. with where they made Ultron just sort of like an idiot. Yes, yes. It's kind of like that. You have this sort of like extremely bad, extremely powerful, and extremely sort of wise. He sort of devoid of any sort of real motivation. Bad guy, like mm-hmm. just sort of I'm evil. Ha ha ha. That's that doesn't really. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think the motivational um, impetus was was just sort of like we're gonna kill everybody to we're gonna we're gonna destroy the earth to make a better I, you know like there's some sort of underlying there's supposed to be some sort of underlying humanitarian cause at the end of mm-hmm. all this it just it. it I don't know. Well, I, 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 I feel like the, the uh, problem actually is Brian Singer. Like, I think at this point you just need you fresh think he's blood. Just phoning it. I, it, yeah, like he's kind of phoning it in at this point. Yeah, or something. yeah, because like, and, like and he's lost the spark for it. I, I think he has a a different vision. Like he, because um, he was so on point yeah. before, man. He well, was and so, you know, you know it what? Was so he, good. Those movies, um, X Men like One X, and Two, X Two especially is like it's it's like flawless it's yeah. so good it's um that those th- like he's still i think trying to make those type of movies and i don't know that they necessarily hey i don't think he's doing it right like i think he's trying to to make those type of movies but also kind of integrate the the way people perceive comic book movies now and the whole notion just in general of movies well, of, like, how do you think it's go changed bigger. what's what's the what's the perception yeah well, what, so so now back then back when x1 and x2 came out how long ago was that what are we talking about? Uh, x1 was i think either 99 or 2000 so we're going oh, wow, back 16 ago, years huh? ago um okay. and and i mean so for me days of future past the second of the new the new um trilogy right. that to me was more important than like say avengers uh because avengers was cool because we finally after the last like six years or whatever it was we got to see all these characters come together well the first one was okay but it just it was just the ultron thing was but, idiotic. Well, but and, and so that like that's just great for like the current day generation of comic book movie fans. But sixteen right. years ago, I went to go see X Men One in theater no less than seven to eight times. Right. Um, that was wonderful. Yeah. So seeing the old cast 
come back uh, into the story and them like officially making the new trilogy part of this huge universe of X-Men movies now, like that was for me the, my Avengers moment. I was so happy to see that happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't know why I brought that up, but yeah. <laughs> he, he's, uh, so, so the movies back then in, in X1 and X2, like they weren't like they, the idea was, well, you can't make it too much like the comic book. Cause no one's going to come see a movie full of people wearing yellow spandex. Um, and I think 16 years ago, that was right. Like the, you didn't have an audience that was necessarily comic book friendly. 16 years later, like you can make a commercial of a kid asking a girl out on a date who with an R2D2 unit to go see the new Star Wars movie. Like right. that that was a commercial that happened in the last 6 months. That th- that commercial wouldn't have been made 16 years ago. So we have this very geek-friendly culture now where people praise um co- like accuracy to the comic books. And I think Singer is trying to do that, but incorporate the old style of, of how he made movies, uh, comic book movies, and I don't think they blend together. You have but to just, go one way or the, the other. The casting was so much. I just feel like the casting was a lot better before. Like yeah. I, I think there's a certain. I think we need the more success. I mean, this tends to happen in general. Like when somebody achieves a huge amount of success, particularly within the canon of a specific genre, like. Brian Singer isn't just a successful director. He's a successful director in the medium of superhero movies yes. now, yes. right? So there's a certain mandate, I think, that maybe you start to feel where, like, you can make decisions that maybe in the past you would have second-guessed or said, ah, you know what, people aren't going to buy that. Mm-hmm. Like, a casting choice that's just, you know, physically so yeah. different from what you're used to. But you're like, oh, but it, they're going to believe it because I'm going to frame this story in such a fashion that, and it like, no, you still, I feel like that's what's missing. Like, you know, there were, you know, the, the, the casting choices are so essential. Well, and look at Deadpool for that. Like the, the casting choices for Deadpool were so spot on. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. And they took chances that, that, you know, Brian, I don't think Brian Singer would have taken if he directed Deadpool. Right. Uh, and well, they took. I mean, Deadpool changed a lot. I mean, Deadpool changed. Isn't like Wolverine's gonna now put yes. out like a crazy, yes. R-rated thing mm-hmm. now because they're like, oh, I get it. Comic book fans do want to see people slice and well, dice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, comic book fans are adults too. It's not just kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there's there's an audience out there for. It. I'm not and now the, the the negative to that is that we may start seeing that that trend where where okay let's put out r-rated movies let's put out r-rated x-men movies or r-rated fantastic four movies uh or whatever well it it's you know i mean there you know that on the other hand you got something like the new star wars which is getting reshot because they made it too serious and yes. they wanted to you know and and this is this this is the idiot logic that you get from big studios where like the the, whole, the reason they're re, they're doing these which okay in all fairness, I have not seen the original, you know, but Gareth Edwards is not a hack. You know, mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. And, you know, Godzilla admittedly was not a great movie, but it, it looked good. And, you know, mm-hmm. the acting wasn't terrible. It was just sort of, I don't know, I think it was more of a plot yeah. issue. Um, but uh, we've all seen this, the Star Wars Rogue One trailer. It looks awesome. It looks serious. It looks dark. It looks killer. And 
now the studio is making them do a reshoot specifically because they want to match the tone of A New Hope because that's what it's going to lead into. Oh. Even, yeah, and, and the, the guy said you have to match the tone. That was, that was the exact quote from one of these knuckleheads, which is completely wrong. Yeah. You don't have to match the tone. What you have to do is create something, you know, because your audience has changed. And you, if you don't grow with your audience and you don't develop and mature with your audience, I mean, yeah, I can still watch Star Wars and, you know, the original Star Wars and, and love it, you know. But I also, you know, there's something that touches me back when I was a kid or whatever, you know, anybody the first time they saw that. Yeah. And so, you, you, you know, you give it credence you know you give it your 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 brain helps you enjoy that movie you know yes yeah, I mean? the nostalgic factor well and it's i mean hey listen it's still the greatest movie ever made don't yes. get me wrong but you know but a movie like empire strikes back you don't need that as much because it's genuine it's it it, it was a more you know mature film you know mm-hmm. in the way it was filmed and the subject it portrayed you know you had lead you know people being tortured and you know yeah 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 um and the the audience for Star Wars, like they're trying to market it to the same crowd. I don't I don't know. I just think I don't know. I think it's I think it's not a good. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see how it turns out. But it, that, I, that was disappointing news to hear that. Yeah. I, you know what? I haven't really been following the. Sorry. Like, was I ranting? No. No. That's fine. That's what the show's about. That's what everything awesome is about. Is, is uh, tangents and ranting. Uh, and you know it's funny because Rogue One, um, I watched that trailer and uh, I had the complete opposite. Um, like, I, I I didn't hate it, but I I was not in love with it like everyone else in the world. Uh, really? And, and I have not for that reason. I I have not really followed anything yeah. about it because I kind of want to now just uh, when it comes out, I just want to go and see it and ingest it, and uh, you know with with no expectations. Like I went to go see Force Awakens. With a certain set of expectations, and for the most part, they were met. But uh, yeah, but how many times did you see it? I only saw it once. Yes, yeah. exactly. I yeah. only saw it once because everything that they wanted you to see, you saw. There was yeah. no depth to it. Yeah, and, know, there's, and, there's, and there was and, definitely and, things that, like, for instance, you know, I knew I had a, uh, I had a good feeling. Well, I said, oh, there's an eighty percent chance Han Solo is going to die in this movie. Spoilers. Um, you know. <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen Star Wars, first of all, what? <laughs> Secondly, uh, yeah, spoilers. That was uh, amazing. But there's a, a an eighty percent chance I knew that he was going to die going in. Um, uh, there was like a ninety nine percent chance I knew that Kylo Ren, spoilers, was going to be a kid of somebody's. I didn't know Han Solo, but I knew he was going to be see, a kid. But, but all these things don't even matter. I mean, well, the Han Solo—it's not it doesn't matter. But but that's not the things that make you love or hate a movie. Yes. It's 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 the flair of it. It's mm-hmm. the flavor of it. It's the style that's brought with it. And the style that was brought with this movie, like there's see, this is okay. Here's the thing with J.J. Abrams, he does certain things really really well. Mm-hmm. You know, like. There, there's there's certain shots and certain scenes that he captures things. And you're like, fuck yeah, that's fucking cool. But then he does other stuff that you're kind of like, that was sort of stupid. And the big thing that I feel is lacking is that filter mechanism to filter out the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think that's what makes a, a great director and a great movie. It's you know, I mean, Star Wars had an original edit that was. Terrible by all accounts, and George Lucas's wife at the time, who was his direct, uh, editor, went through and cut out a whole bunch of stuff out of the movie, and that's what we ended up with. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know? That is an e- 
So you you started off in the pre-show saying that you you weren't a true geek and and well and, I can't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the factoid though. Like I mean, maybe that's a popular factoid. That's I've never heard that. That's a cool little uh, Star Wars well, fact. And well, perfect. And then look what happened with the new movies. When when somebody when he has complete control over things, <laughs> and he can do them the way he wants to do them. They you know they go on forever. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff, and yeah. all the stiff acting is revealed because the cuts are too long. You know. You could, there's a, you know, you could, I'm not saying this is, I don't know, it might be beyond salvageable, but there's, I'm willing to bet that you could recut those, those last three movies that supposedly didn't happen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in such a manner that like would be actually something approaching a movie you'd want to watch more than, uh, you know. Topher Grace from that 70s fame, he has, rec- I forget which one he recut, but he recut a movie. It was either one of them or all three of them into one movie. And by all accounts, the Topher Grace cut. Really? Uh, the rumor I, is... Okay, I haven't seen this, so th- that's neither awesome. have, Neither have I. I have not seen the movie, but I've seen the story. And the rumor is that this Topher Grace cut that exists is great like it, it makes the whatever move if it's one of them or it combines all three whatever he did it it makes it so much better and, and the sounds of it is that he, he cut out the bullshit well take the like take the last hobbit series okay uh you know you had lord of the rings mm-hmm. brilliant from start to finish right even mm-hmm. even the four and a half hour long versions are, are brilliant from start to finish and then you know you take peter jackson who now has you know, this head of confidence and this mandate that he can, you know, bring this world to us and we'll just eat everything he puts in front of us. And he takes one book and expands it into three movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're terrible. They're boring as shit. They go on forever. I, you know, you're listening to dwarves singing for 20 minutes. <laughs> At least I, before you had hobbits crying. They, I mean, it makes you miss the crying hobbits. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I've never... I have not seen the, the Hobbit trilogy. It's uh, terrible. But that... Le- like, I... Um, like because the, it goes on forever, and you're extending and pulling shit out because you're so in love with your own material, yeah, yeah. and you're so in love with your own scenes. And you're like, okay, yeah, let's. Oh no, look how great this is. Let's just let this scene play out, and it's but it's not playing out because it has to. It's playing out because the 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 hubris of the director feels that it's that good that mm-hmm. people are just going to want to be entertained and enraptured by this thing. Yeah. And it's not. It's a long, boring, stupid scene that should have been cut short. Yeah, and and that's I, I think definitely lays you know goes with what we said with Ryan saying like directors kind of become their own worst enemy um, when when it comes to like you just right. you just yep. become too much of a creative or too too much of a powerful force. Yeah, and uh, then you you have no nobody is around to tell you you suck, and if they yeah. are, they fire that you're fired. Uh, and th- <laughs> that's what uh, like that's my fear with like Deadpool going forward like. You know, uh, are they I, right now? I think Deadpool is like the saving grace of the X Men franchise. Um, it was just so fun, uh, yeah. and you know, I I would like to hope that because the people involved, uh, like Tim Miller and and Ryan Reynolds and, and everyone else, that like literally spent the last ten years trying to get this movie made, or however long it's been, they spent a long time trying to get this movie made. Um, I, I want that passion to stay, like. And I think the mistake, one of the mistakes that's going to happen is that the studio, Fox, is just going to give them a lot of money, more money than they need. Like, keep the budget low, I think. Like, that yeah. will be the, be the saving well, grace of that film. And the, the other mistake they're going to make is they're going to start to have, quote unquote, fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly what happened with Iron Man 2. 
Yeah, you know, I... Uh, you get a stupid movie. Yeah, I don't remember... See, uh, Or I the guess, second Thor movie, same problem. Uh, see, now that the, one I don't... Yeah, that one I... I see, yeah, it was, it was, it's just like... It, 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 you just, at some point you're watching this and you, the, the, the fourth wall is broken down mm-hmm. by the fact that you're like, wait a minute, this is... This is kind of dumb. What are they doing? Like, they're just chewing scenery and having like. I don't want to see my actors having fun. Mm-hmm. I want to see my actors kicking ass and yeah, being actors. Yeah. Then I have fun. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, uh, see, for me, with with uh, Marvel movies and maybe comic book movies, uh, you definitely got me ranting now. Yeah, that's way. fine. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, for me, I have like three tiers of like comic book movies, and this may just be my Marvel movies. I, I, I kind of forget how it's been a while since I ranked them this way. But like yeah. the top tier is like your Iron Man type movies, uh, where they're just so good. Like, like, like You're talking about Iron Man one. Yes, Iron Man one. So like yeah. Iron Man one, um, your your original X Men like X one X two, Spider Man Spider Man two. Like they're all like top tier. I think more yeah, like comic book movies. Then yep. you have um, done done with reverence by the director, casted mm-hmm. properly mm-hmm. with good storylines. And then you have like your middle ground movies, which for me are, uh, you know, like your, your, your Thor, your, um, I actually thought Thor was the first Thor movie was actually surprisingly good. Yeah, I know. I I agree. It it was Captain America. Captain, the Captain America trilogy, I think is fantastic from start. First, second, surprisingly good with that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably their most, uh, it's probably their most well done franchise in the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, oh, consistently? Yes, yes. Uh, for me, I mean, nothing is... Supposedly, the, the new one supposedly is great, but I have not seen it, so... The... Oh, what, no, Civil War? Civil War. Yeah. Oh, okay, so going to that, um, that is another one. For me, it's the parallel, the only way I can describe that you movie... You cannot spoil this one. I will not spoil it. What I'm, gonna, <laughs> what I'm going to say is that um, that, that movie, um, the storyline uh, of Civil War from the comic books... Uh, is b- between that and the Walking Dead comic book is yeah. what got me back into comics. I think ten years ago is when when that storyline happened. Yeah. Uh, so when and and as soon as I got done reading Civil War, I said they should make this a movie. I know it's impossible, but they should make this a movie. So when they first announced, and then we got trailers, and it led up to me seeing this movie. Like for me, it was my Star Wars moment. Like the way that. Um, most like the kids that grew up watching Star Wars felt about Force Awakens is how I felt about Civil War. Oh, really? Uh, yes. I, I mean, and I'm, I may be one of the few that feel that way. I, it was just, it, to me, it's an important storyline because it kind of brought me back into this whole, whole like nerd life, this, this nerdum comic booky type life. Because uh, yeah. it, it was just a really well done comic. And, I mean, I never was a Captain America fan growing up. Uh, reading Civil War and the yeah, and I never. I, it was never a character that yeah. appealed to me at all. Because he he was nothing <laughs> back. Like he was literally just the guy who punched Hitler. Like he, right. he wasn't a great character. And Ed Brubacker. Well, and you know, most young kids' patriotism is like not the foremost thing on their mind. The foremost thing on their mind is shooting webs out of their fucking. Yeah, exactly. And and, and <laughs> I I wrote a blog uh, years ago that kind of said like. You know, I think everyone kind of has like this maturity when it comes to superheroes, and like everyone kind of starts off with Spider-Man, and then you eventually graduate to, and I forget the exact things, but you usually end up with like with like a Batman character that you look at as like the character. That's because you're an adult now, and you and you appreciate something that's a little bit more maybe depthy or whatever. 
Um, but anyway, so so um, Captain I America. I'll be honest with you, though. To that point, I always stuck with Spidey. And, oh, really? And, uh, yeah, because he was constructed in such a way that like that depth was always there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. But it was it was presented in a lighthearted manner. So yes. when you go back and revisit it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're right. You got the depth of a character. Like, it's not even depth. It's like the darkness. Yeah, of, yeah, of The yeah, Batman yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But to me, that like, I find more depth when things are not as obviously mm. dark. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I I misphrased that. But yeah, I mean, for me, but, no. But Spider-Man on this as a surface character is exactly what you said. He's mm-hmm. a very, it's this lighthearted, bouncing mm-hmm. around, yeah. joke making, you know, sort of crime fighting guy. And oh, I'll tell you what. If so, if, if if you if you're a Spider-Man person and like you never left that world, you will be so happy with Civil War and how they treat That's, him. Everybody has said that. Yeah, yeah they said they, they got Spidey right. It's uh, and and. and you know, so and for me, like uh, they, what the way they had to work Civil War in the movie cinematic universe is obviously different than how it came out in the comic book, and um, they, I think they treated it right. Uh, like I said, uh, I mean, Civil War and the, the Captain America run around Civil War, yeah. uh, was like I it made me get a, a Cap Shield tattooed on my body. Like that's how much I enjoyed well, that that's, movie. Okay, you got me beat. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I it, I was never a Captain America fan, and the fact that I have his shield on my arm uh, says a lot about Ed Brubaker as a, a, a writer, um, yeah. and and just that story that they were telling between all the different um, writers in in that in that era, um, and and they did like I've loved Captain America for the last ten years, and to see Civil War come to screen and come to life was like my star wars moment like oh my god i can't but, believe this is but happening it also, this also comes down to i mean this none of this would have worked if they hadn't cast him right absolutely right like chris evans uh He's when, perfect. when he first was casted i was like oh come on that's the human torch you're mixing it but um i, I i'm so happy that i was uh, that i'm i was proven and I, wrong and how good of a job did they do with the beginning with making him wait yes. were you first introduced to him as like the skinny you know version of him I mean, it was amazing. You know, I was sitting there. How did they? Mm-hmm. You, you're watching the movie, and and you don't realize until after the transformation of the character that you've been fooled from the beginning. Because yeah, at first, yeah. you know, he transforms into muscly him, and you're like, okay, obviously, I just saw some crazy CGI yeah, thing yeah. happen. But no, actually, now you're just seeing. So now you're like looking for the flaw, and you and you can't find it because yeah. it's not there because. All you know, you were bullshitted up to that point, but you never saw it. Yeah, it's um, and, and it was a, it was a really like as a special effects yes, you know, uh, aficionado. I, I I was really really impressed that like I got totally fooled because I didn't I didn't realize it was the same actor. I didn't even recognize him, you know. So yeah, no, they, I, I didn't I didn't know this was supposed to be some muscly guy. So you're just like okay, you just buy it as the skinny kid, whatever. Yeah, yeah. they um, yeah, it was amazing. They treated the way I really like so. I still stand by that uh, if you were if you were a fan of Winter Soldier, and I think that may be the that's, so far that's my favorite Marvel movie. I think um, uh. is is the Winter Soldier. I just think it's really well done. Like that's a story that if you if you put Jason Bourne or if you put any action hero in that role, like it yeah. still works. Like it works without the comic book superhero. Um, background and i guess there's a new jason Bourne coming out right yeah, yeah, called jason Bourne yes, or something yes I, J- creatively Bo- enough jason Bourne again i'm not sure what it's called. <laughs> um but we'll, uh, see. we'll see how it goes but yeah i i think winter soldier is still the best captain america movie but uh civil war as a captain america movie is the best avengers movie like for sure 
Um, it, it's and you'll uh, again. I'm not going to spoil it, but it is so good. Like, and again, um, if if anything, if you know, depending on how hyped you are when you see it, how, how much you hold this up on a, yeah. you know, at the very least, even if somehow you get, you disappoint yourself because it's now held up so high, you'll walk out saying, well, at least I know that I'm going to love Spider-Man because that could be anyone that hated that movie, which I don't think many people did, but if you walk away hating that movie, at the very least you can say they, they finally nailed Spider-Man 100%. Well, you know, like the first Spider-Man, uh, what's his name? Toby the little guy. Um, huh? Toby Maguire. Yeah, I, he wasn't my ideal, you know, because... I didn't, you know, yeah. I, most, I, no, no, you know, we, we didn't grow up with the original Spider-Man, yeah. you know, that was like, when the hell was that in the sixties? Yes. Um, so, you know, they, they created this character that harkened back to like the first 12 issues of the series. Right. Mm-hmm. And they did a really good job, but that wasn't like the Spider-Man that was like when I was a kid, it was, yeah. you know, it was Peter Parker in his mid twenties with his apartment in Queens, you know, and. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still hoping to see that. I don't know if this is what that is now, but I, I won't spoil it for good. you. So, I won't spoil yeah, it for you. Don't say anything. Yeah. Good. Uh, for me, we'll stop talking about this. <laughs> yeah. the, the, here's what I'll say. Here, here's what I, I will say about uh, the, spi- the generations of Spider-Man we've had since Tobey Maguire. Uh, I think Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker than a Spider-Man. I think Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man than he was Peter I, Parker. I didn't, see, I didn't see the Garfield stuff at all. I couldn't do it. Uh, the fir- uh, Yeah, I mean... I, I'm, I'm just not a fan of reboots, man. I, it's, like, I, the, you know, I was angry about the reboot. It got me out of reboot. comic yeah. books. It gets yeah. me out of the movies. Yeah, it, it was... Um, it was an I've been unneeded. struggling with it in the Star Trek shit. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. The, the Andrew Garfield years, as we'll call them now, were definitely unneeded. Um, but I sat down and watched the first one. I don't think I watched the second one. Um, but he played like his his Spider-Man was more like the 90s cartoon Spider-Man, which has always kind of been my Spider-Man. Like, yeah. I, I just liked how how he acted and st- like his his uh, quick wittiness and whatnot. Um, so, so Andrew Garfield brought that to Spider-Man, but his Peter Parker was kind of lousy. Uh, all I'll say about the new Spider-Man is that I think we get a, the best Peter Parker we've ever seen and the best Spider-Man we've ever seen. All right. I'm so sold. how about you audience? Yeah, I, sh- <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's great. You'll, I think you'll walk away happy with it. Um, the audience is already on season three of Game of Thrones. They're <laughs> yeah, like, "Fuck you guys!" Yeah, yeah, they they bowed out and said, "We're just going to rewatch." It's like, you don't like the Dragon Queen or whatever. The hell <laughs> yeah. It's. I have a buddy who uh, he's. I think actually in the, in the next week or so, um, I agreed to give it a real try at watching Game of Thrones, and then we'll podcast about it. Um, All right. Because I have this fascination with like pod, like there's a certain genre of podcasts out there that uh, um, like where the, the like one of the hosts wrap up kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love that, too. Hey, because I can just I love to talk. But um, there's a like this. There's this one show out there that I listen to uh, that every now and then they'll have a special episode. It's called, The podcast is I like to movie movie. And every now and then they do um, a movie review and they do a couple shows that are themed after the fact that one host has seen a movie and is a beloved fan of said movie and then the other host has never seen it so he watches it for the first time and then they talk about it and that dynamic of like super fan and like newcomer like really works for me that's interesting yeah because i mean obviously you're 
you know, the, the point is to appeal to both. Yeah, yeah. Without I, sacrificing the quality of what you're doing. Yeah, so that's so we're gonna we're, Which is we're tricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna try to do a Game of Thrones where six years later. Uh, we're going to try to do a Game nice. of Thrones podcast. So, you know, Se- season, episode one, season one. Yeah. Yep. We're going to do a, a one for one episode uh, to fill up the summer or whatever, however long the, the between season, season six and seven of Game of Thrones. We're going to watch uh, a bunch of episodes of Game of Thrones, my first time, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, so, I'll expect, see. Expect to see a lot of dismemberment and a lot of man ass. That's that's what I've heard. I've heard it's yeah. a, a lot of that uh, and dragon eggs or something. I don't. I don't really. Know. I don't know. I just I, I, I watched one episode and I saw more naked male butts than I <laughs> needed to. It is. It's and then somebody's be, hand got chopped off. I'm like, really? This is what people are into, huh? It's right. it's gonna be. Um, I'm wondering if it, if it will catch me because I have like a three episode rule when it comes to any kind of show, and I I will try to watch the first three episodes no matter how good or bad, uh, and then if uh, by episode three you haven't won me over, then I kind of bail well, out. Well, that's that's what fucked me over with Jessica Jones. I got into like you know it's. Yeah. There's, Things go, and then I was like, I was watching four episodes a night just to cram through it. Yeah, God. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, David Tennant, who played Kilgrave, like he's—I'm a huge fan of his. So God, uh, you just—you just so badly want to strangle that fucker. Oh yeah, he. No spoiler here now. No, no, no spoiling spoiler. Jessica Jones. God, you just fucking want to. I so think. Annoying. I think yeah. I'd be willing to say he's the best villain Marvel has ever put out. Um, oh, man, okay, I'd, I'd have to like. There's, there's. Okay, that's a whole nother. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm trying. Well, who, who, as a villain, as a villain, who do you think's better? For Marvel, in for the like, cinematic universe. Oh God, I mean, we got like, I mean, yeah, there's. Well, you know, there's Magneto's pretty good, which I still the Magneto yeah, okay. pronunciation freaks me out. I, I feel like that's still wrong, even though that's how they do it. Um. Yeah, but you know what? That's Fox. Like, I'm not. I don't count him as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, as a Marvel. Oh, so you're talking about the actual like the Cinematic Universe, the thing that's all connected together. Uh, I th- I think Kilgrave is is one of the best handled. Like, so what movies are in the Marvel? See, I get this is where I get confused by the studios that are doing all this crap because I just relate them to the comic. Got books. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Pretty much anything the- that's an Avenger. Uh, is is oh. Marvel Cinematic Universe plus yeah they the haven't TV had shows. a whole lot of like well you know the I mean Brian Cox was he's yeah Kilgrave he's just such a cocksucker the, you know what I'll tell you what and and you'll you'll find this out when you go to, I mean he's he's a complete sociopath yeah. so there's that well uh, you know what I, I think I'm wrong and, and I think Civil War gives yeah. us the best villain that the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe has, ever has. And I'll say that without saying anything else. And when you go see the movie, um, you'll, you'll see why uh, uh, Zemo, Baron Zemo, I think may, he may have taken the crown from Kilgrave. Well, Kilgrave is definitely like the, the most, I mean, they, they took a lot of license. I mean, he just does horrible fucking things mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't care. Yeah. It's pretty dark. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 again, I think Daredevil was the better show on Netflix out of the two, but, um, has the Rose entered into Daredevil or is it all like the Kingpin and stuff like that? Uh, I think did they ever, did they ever bring him in as a character yet? Not yeah, I don't think not yet. I don't okay. think so. I'm trying to harken back. I, definitely not season one. I don't think season two. 
I always loved the Rose. He was yeah. when they were. This was through the Spider-Man series, but there, when, mm-hmm. the, when the Rose was employing the Hobgoblin, and it's mm-hmm. like so good. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so okay, well, while we're on the comic book, <laughs> while we're on the comic book talk, so so yeah. what's what? Tell me about this massive collection that was brought up, and I think in conversation with your publicist. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I mean, I started, I mean, I started collecting when I was a kid, and then I, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, how many, how many comics do you fit in a? I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of them. There's thousands of them. But that's, I, I, yeah, that's crazy. Like, because I'm like, I'm super casual compared to you. Because I have maybe two long boxes filled, and that was all recent stuff. That was all Civil War era. Because like, I got rid of all my comics from when I was a kid. Because um, I thought I was too cool for comics. No, you know what? I I stopped collecting when they when Marvel started doing their when they rebooted the whole mm-hmm. universe, yeah, uh, I that I was done. Yeah, I, I mean, it I is couldn't. very hard. See, and that's another thing. Like, as much oh, it's as just I the love, most, it's the it's the, it's the most disrespectful yeah. thing you can do to a fan. Like, like, mm-hmm. so you you take your content, you mass produce it on such a scale because you are you're you know overcome with this like, oh, we've we've got this great thing. We need to make more money, more money. So you create all these titles. So now every great storyline that you could have extended out through like five years is now condensed to six months because you have so many titles and then you run out of material. So you say, okay, you know what? We're going to hit the reset button. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah. I, uh, I've never been a huge fan. The only time it's a reboot like that has worked for, for me was when DC did the new 52. Um, I don't even know what that is. It's yeah. They rebooted. I think it was the first time they did like a mass, uh, reboot where they, they every you know every if not maybe it was only 90 percent of their their comics rebooted to issue one uh, why why would you do that like why well, would you do that to your fans and like oh yeah remember all those comics remember when you were a kid and you read these comics and they made you so mad or sad or that you like wanted to hit something or you cried yeah, or yeah, you were yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you're so inner these characters and like now you're you know 10 20 years later yeah, that doesn't matter. That didn't happen. Well, for for DC, they they got me. They I I'm a, I've always been a Marvel reader, but um, I picked up an issue of Batman. I was like, what the hell? I've heard a lot of good things about Scott Snyder, and um, you know, it's Batman number one, so I'll yeah. pick it up and read it. And uh, I mean, I didn't. I I only read. I think I read like twenty some issues out of the. I think he just finished issue like. 51 a month or two ago so like i read about half his stuff in that batman new 52 stuff and like the way he worked it like he always he's from the get-go said uh as far as i'm concerned everything that happened before happened um this is just like a different time period for me so like you know this is you know uh it's just a different era of batman's life that we're that we're talking about so it's not a reboot. It's like a. I, it's it was tricky because they've also now I think they're about to or they already have reverted back to the old numbering, which means that they're back in the old like they they re. Rebooted the yeah. old. Yeah, they rebooted to the old story. It, well, I mean, there's there's a way to do this. That's like you know, like the Dark Knight. Like mm-hmm. that's a way to take have a whole new take on a character without fucking with canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and creating and and yet revitalizing and I mean, you know, Frank Miller's treatment of the Dark Knight. Mm. Then you know when people saw how everybody responded to that, the comic book, the current day comic book, became more serious. Yes, yes, right. So there's a way to revitalize 
canon without fucking with it. No, I totally agree. Um, and I, I would have probably said the same thing about when Marvel rebooted. I think that's kind of when I like. I, I mean, I kind of have stopped reading comics altogether just because I tend to talk a lot more about things than I have time to read. <laughs> and right. so, like, I, you know, I, I schedule, you know, I, I just don't have time to read comic books anymore. Like, I, there's so much more going on in my life. And I'm like, I'm in my 30s. When I was a kid, 10 years ago, I didn't have children. So I had time to dick around and read comic books. Now I have to, I kind of have to be a responsible adult. Like, it's this weird thing. So now, now you bitch about comic books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, more specifically comic book movies because like that's what I have time for um, but you know I think for the most part like we've I think we've we're lucky I think we've we've mo- mainly get good things and as long as like you know I, I think Fantastic Four that's the biggest thing that we need to get back in Marvel's hands is, and then I think uh, it'll be done just, right yeah I've been atrocious uh, alright so let's um, let's get into the uh, the reason you're here. Let's talk about your new album a little bit. <laughs> let's let's now that we 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 uh, did what this show has does, and let's talk a little bit about you. Go on a lot of different tangents. Let's go a little bit about you and your new uh, uh, album that is releasing in. Uh, ooh, this is me stalling to look at a calendar in less than in about 24 hours. Yeah, so well there's there's the digital release which happens on Tuesday, June 28th, which yes, is yeah. Um and then but there's also v- the vinyl release which I I started doing a pre-sale for maybe gosh like a month ago or something like that. But vinyl takes 3 months or something like that to get pressed. Oh wow. Okay. By, by like the fastest places out there right now. Okay. So I'm not going to have the vinyl ready to ship until probably mid-August. Okay. Um, which is actually like, to be honest, that's the one I'm really excited about. And I just got the, uh, they send a test pressing mm-hmm. out to you to, you know, just to make sure that it sounds right before they go and stamp them all. Okay. And, uh, I, I just listened to it on, on, like on vinyl, you know, over mm-hmm. at my mastering engineer's place and it, it sounds killer, dude. It's so cool. So let me ask you as, <laughs> as a total, um, uh, novice when it comes to music because I, I just like yeah. to listen to like hey let me turn on a good tune what yeah. and I you know I've always wanted to ask this but I guess never had the right person to ask what is the Maybe. exact difference between listening to something on vinyl versus cassette digital CD you know what I, surprisingly very little um, I used to think that records sounded really different because I don't know. There's just something about the physical process of making them that, mm. like, the bandwidth was not. You know, you couldn't have as many, as much low end. Or, and then I listened to, I've been listening to like some really modern vinyl, and it's it, it's the, it, it actually sounds great because I, I never really liked the sound of vinyl. I mean, okay. vinyls. I've always loved the sound of like jazz on vinyl, where okay. it's like really mid rangey. Anyway, but it it turns out that it's the vinyl can sound kind of a lot more like a record, like a CD or like, okay, put it this way. We were listening to the, the digital master and the vinyl master mm-hmm. of this new record of mine back and forth. And I couldn't tell which was which. Oh, okay. So that you know, was unless, totally yeah. not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> no, you can't. And it, it, dude, it blew me away. I, 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 I did not expect that. I thought, cause it, well, but here's the trick in order to make it sound like that, 
we had to do, you know how like some things you'll say, it'll say mastered for iTunes when you buy it yes. on the computer. I still don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> okay. Um, but when you're mastering for vinyl, you have to add, like you, we had to add treble okay. to the recording. We had to check the low end to make sure things were in line. There's a lot of stuff you have to do so that when you get it back, it sounds the way you want it to sound. Gotcha. So you you have to overcompensate for frequencies that are going to be you know tweaked in a certain way. But if you do that right, which thank God we did, um, it sounds perfect. It sounds killer. Okay, so so the goal with a vinyl is to actually make it sound as digital as possible, but just have this cool um, physical piece. Well, not to sound well, okay, not sound digital, but to sound as true as possible. As true as possible. Yeah. Okay, okay, as true. Um, but there's you know I mean. I feel like maybe playback me- mechanisms are different back in the day or something because if you listen to like any record from I don't know like the early '80s or something like you go back and listen to the Cars or something mm-hmm. like that and then it's there's there's not really any low end on any of these records you know mm-hmm. and there's there is an issue with vinyl where you have to be very careful about how you mix the bottom end in because if it's too much it's the way the grooves are cut physically it can cause a problem and you'll get skipping on the record or stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, this also isn't a dub, you know, uh, there's not a ton of low end on this. It, it just, I don't know. It sounds amazing. That's, I don't now, know. That's all I can tell you. It, it was really, I was really surprised and impressed. What, uh, cause I feel like vinyl has made like a huge comeback. Like I, I've probably heard about vinyl more times in the last, we'll say three to five years yeah. That I had in the fifteen to twenty years prior thank, to that. Thank God for hipsters, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like the, it's the, it's hip to be old again. Like, I think it's I think it's the idea that it's I, well, okay. I'll tell you the reason I made vinyl. Okay, is I mean to sell to part, the hipsters. Well, hopefully, if they have any money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like part of it was I recorded this record entirely on tape i I, this whole thing was recorded on a reel-to-reel machine in my studio like i did the whole thing old school so i figured that was a good way to sort of honor the the analog medium was was to produce it in an analog format for people which is vinyl you know um but the other thing too is that i love the physic the 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 physicality of a record i love the fact that you have artwork i remember when i was like a little little like a fetus you know (laughs) sitting there listening to records and I would just stare at the album cover yeah, for, yeah. you know, like Peter, you know, like Peter and the Wolf or, or Winnie the Pooh or something, you know, and like as a kid and you just, you just stare at it and you listen to the whole thing and, and you're just reading this thing back and forth. So I created that. That's why I wanted to do the, I wanted to create something that people would want to actually physically own, you know, and the record is, it's like a gatefold cover, you know, it opens up, there's just cool artwork and, and, that's uh, cool. And then there's more artwork on the slipcase when you pull it up. So it's, you know, we're doing like a limited edition print run thing and all this stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, I'm hoping it'll be, you know, like a collector's kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's I, you know, I just went to um, the local guitar center today to pick up a, a cable for, uh, that I didn't use, but pick up a cable to, you know, for the studio that I'm kind of rebuilding. And, yeah. um, and like they have like this little vinyl section. Like it just, it blows my mind that that's like a thing like, to the point where I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to get like a record player and buy some <laughs> vinyl. Like, I, and I don't know, like, not, I guess to be a hipster at the end of the day. Well, you know, and to be honest with you, like, I, 
I would be willing to bet you half the people that are going to buy the vinyl copy of this record are not going to play it on a record player. You know, they're going to get it because they're collectors uh, and you know what I mean? And they yeah. want a physical piece of something that's like a special print run and yeah. they want to, they want to be able to physically own something that is musical, but you can hold in your hand, you know, yeah, or maybe it, even put on your wall, you know, people put stuff in the, you know, so, which is totally fine by me because, you know, they, they'll get the music. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hope that they'll open it up <laughs> and listen to it, but they can hear it, you know, on iTunes yeah. if they want, and it'll sound pretty much the same. Now, uh, so. ha- with as long, I will say as long as you've been playing music, I don't think we've really even asked that question or answered it, but has... Um, the way that uh, you know the di- like the digital world like with YouTube and iTunes and and all that has that made like being a, a musician or even a producer like easier? Uh, it's it's um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually the answer. Like, yeah, it's no. But it's 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 just completely different, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't. God, I don't even know. Like. I wouldn't even know. That's like a whole nother, <laughs> That's a whole nother three podcasts yep. yeah, <laughs> of, of discussion. Um, it, you have a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you know, it's, it's made it much more of a uh, mom and pop operation, I guess, you know, okay. like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I am, I am my own everything. I, yeah. I, I have my own label. Organic audio is the label that, which is also the name of my recording studio. Nice. Um, the publicist who introduced us to each other is under my employee. It's not a, you know, ah. you know, like I, I'm hiring her. My booking agent is somebody I found. The company that licensed was my music for film and television and things like that. I just, you know, uh, hooked up with this company called 411 Music that are going to be representing my, like, that's, that went through me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, you know, so like, um, you know, it's 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 a good time if you're not afraid to work. <laughs> you know yes, what I mean? Yes. Um, if you're the kind of artist who wants to sit there and create and do nothing else, which, I mean, most of us are, you know, but mm-hmm. um, you're probably not going to get too far. You know, I mean, you need somebody. There has to be a team. And now that I'm like now that I'm assembling a team of these people and they're all going to bat for me, it's it's fucking cool, man. Um, but I send out, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with everybody every week. Mm-hmm. I'm checking up on everybody all the time, you know, and thankfully they're all doing a great job. So very cool. Yeah. It, and it, you know, and it, it takes a long time to just find the right people. You know, yeah. I met I met most of the people, all the people I'm working with. I've met through recommendations from other bands, from other friends. Very cool. So. I don't know. Was that an answer? Or was that, I don't remember. What was your question? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know because as you were talking, I was uh, I was flipping through the document uh, about you just to see if there was anything else I wanted to bring up before I let you go. And, oh uh, yeah, uh, actually yeah. And and point of order, you asked me. I have to be on stage in about twenty minutes. So yes. We will have to yes. Wrap this up soon. No, and that's why we are going to let you go. But definitely uh, the next time, maybe like closer to August or whenever you have uh, something to promote. Uh, I definitely, I think you should come back on the show because we can get into some very cool things, uh, like your 3000 plus, we, I have a number, it's 3000 plus comic book collection, that uh, that right. is not yeah. sold off, including amazing Spider-Man number 300. Uh, oh yeah. Which I waited in line with a broken leg for an autograph by and, from Todd McFarlane. And that, you know, we can get and, into, and, yeah. 
We can definitely get into that stuff. I'm actually something that we've uh, another uh, theme on this show is we talked to a lot of table toppers. And uh, so I, I didn't know that until reading you know this document a little bit more thoroughly that uh, you look like you have some experience in playing some old school D and D. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like that there's <laughs> yes, potential for us to talk again. So definitely, and I and I will you know uh, this is boring. You know we shouldn't be talking this on the air, but we're going to anyway. This is how this is how this is what happens, people. Yeah, this is uh, this is how. Um, I mean, I think most people know this show. Anyone that listens to the show and still listens to the show knows that at some point near the end of it, I say, we start talking business and start talking about how you're going to be on the show again. But definitely, A, thank you for being on the show. Uh, And B, anytime you want to be on the show, whether it's to promote something or just shoot the shit, let me know. uh, And I'd love to have you back. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, I want you back first and foremost because I feel like I, there's a lot, like even with tabletop especially, like I feel like that's a whole generation, not generation, just a whole topic uh, uh, for us to chat about. Uh, Hopefully, so. multiple generations. Yes, yes, uh, I, I think so. I think it's, I think it's more popular than ever now. But that we will save for next time that you're on the show. Uh, throw out some uh, plugs that you want besides your uh, album that's dropping uh, in, a, in a day here. Uh, plugs, plugs, plugs. Well, there's the band Owl, which I play with. Uh, OwlTheBand.net. Um, there is, uh, the old band that was in black belt karate. We're actually working on some new recordings, so there might be some stuff coming out and we've had some of our music recently, like last few months was on a couple TV shows. And oh, very like cool. So, um, yeah, that's the band black belt karate, which is sort of like on hiatus, but yeah, might, we'll see. Um, but yeah, my stuff, I guess it's, uh, I have a website, it's, um, J a Mazillis dot which is, I guess, hopefully easy enough to remember. It'll be in the and, show notes too. Yeah, cool, excellent. Yeah, and um, there's uh, we made a video. I'm hopefully going to be doing tour dates. Hopefully, we're we're looking to West Coast and maybe August. Okay. Um, and then rest of the country towards the end of the year. Very cool. Um, I let's see. I finished. Well, I don't know when it's going to come out, but I uh, I'd recently. Uh, mixed a record for um uh, a solo instrument uh, not instrumental a solo record for um dizzy reed who's the uh the keyboardist of guns and roses okay okay and um he and i've been working together and have been producing some new stuff as well and um but uh, obviously he's pretty busy this summer you know on tour yeah, with yeah. them but uh hopefully that'll be coming out sometime in the fall we'll see okay very cool. um and uh I don't know. There's just a whole bunch of stuff. I do a lot of mixing and produ- you know, production work for a lot of local artists in LA too. So, yeah, and um, we have a. I have a. I'll make sure to get all your links that were provided to me uh, on the show notes. Uh, links, ladies and gentlemen, links yes. is what makes the world go round. Yes, like organic audio records recorders. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> the studio that that whole place where I make money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's that, then your Twitter and, uh, your Instagram. Uh, the Twitter, I think is probably pointless, but oh. you're welcome to put it out there. <laughs> uh, um, see, it's funny cause Twitter has become my like social media platform of choice. Really? Yeah. Because you know, it's the I, one place I that I don't feel bad ranting. But how do you rant with like, you know, oh, I just, I, because I, I just, I just send out like six tweets in a row. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just that's how I t- and and sometimes if I really want to make sure people know like that 
that they need to read in a specific order. I'll, I'll tag it one of six, two of six, or whatever. That's you got it. Okay, this yeah. is yeah. The tweeting is like antithetical to the you know the rambling. Well, it's uh, and this this could be a whole other topic uh, for another conversation. But like so, like Facebook for me has turned into more of a place that like ah, this is like for me, my friends and family, for me to like just share pictures of my kids and whatnot. Uh, Twitter has turned into like where I like engage. Uh, my fans or just people in what general. Are, what, are, what are the kids into these days? What's like? What's the thing now? Uh, for social media, I yeah. think it's Snapchat, and that's where I get lost. Like, uh, it's when I start to like the seventy-eight-year-old side of me starts to creep out, and I and right. I, well, uh, I mean, they didn't scared. have. They, they, there weren't really airplanes when you were no their like, age. So, yeah, you know, like, the, like airplanes. Different. The two things I'm afraid of: airplanes and Snapchat. Like. It's, it's you got to embrace the future, man. It's yeah, Snapchat. Like I, th- I tried it once years ago, but that's like it was all about like, just like I guess it would have been good for when I was a single person because like from what I know of Snapchat, like I don't want my kids to ever know about it because it's about sending nudes. Yeah, I thought that was like Snapchat was all sort of like dick pics and no, like now it's apparently like untraceable a, porn or something. Yeah, no, apparently now it's like a legitimate social media platform that like like people and celebrities and people use. And whenever someone says I'm gonna, you should get in the Snapchat game, I curl up into a ball and say I'm afraid. Like it's, see, once again, boobies paved the way for new technology. This is how it always happens. <laughs> Oh, and I think that's the note we're going to leave on. <laughs> uh, so make sure and scene. you check out uh, where where can they get your album uh, digitally? iTunes, I assume. Uh, yeah, if you um, did, we even yeah. say the name of the album. I don't think oh, we did. Called, Come down. There we go. But uh, it's it's better if you just search my name, my okay. full name. Um, okay. It'll come up. Oh. And uh, actually, there's a pre. I can give you the link because it's on. It's available as a presale. Okay. So if you type my name and come down on iTunes right now, you'll you'll find the link and you can put it up for even though it's not going to be up till the next day. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, so we'll do that. And so you lucky listeners listening on day one, uh, will will have the the link uh, to buy the music before anybody else. Damn right. And it sounds better the sooner you get it. Yeah. It's it's weird it's how iTunes sets that up. Funny thing how that works. Yeah. If you wait a week, it's just not going to be. Cool. Yeah, it's, uh, there's like static and it sounds like like a dog's chewing on a, a microphone. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, all right. Well, that's actually part of the record. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I see. Now, now I'm interested. Uh, all right, Jason, thank you for doing the show. This was a lot of fun. And definitely I would love for you to come back sometime. My pleasure. We'll talk. Uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Thank you for. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, make sure you check out Jason on all the, the the social media things that he said on the show. They're also going to be down in the link uh, show note thingy area. I've been doing this for ten years. You think I know the verbiage? I don't. Whatever. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at hhwst. You can find the show on Twitter at awesome podcast. For everything is awesome. I'm Kev, and you've been listening to us right here only on awesomepodcast.com. And that's it. That's our bonus 4th of July episode for you. Uh, big thanks to Jason for being on the show. Uh, and I, I hope he makes has time uh, for our little show here in the future because he's a busy guy with busy things, big things happening. Uh, but we just scratched the surface with Jason. I think we have uh, just as much conversation left uh, on, on, for part two than we did in part one. Uh, and again, going back to our first interview with Tal Klein, uh, check out Ink Shares. Links will be in the show notes and stuff. Um, and another great, I, whew, 
we only got a half hour with him. I can't wait to get a full hour, hour and a half or more uh, with him uh, next time and, and, and really do a proper non-bonus episode with him. Uh, so check that out um, on inkshares.com. Uh, you'll see under the contests. Uh, and we'll put all the links for both guys. will be on the show notes uh, for you know Jason's album, uh, Tal's books, all in the show notes right here. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back Wednesday. Finally, finally, Jason Ashley from Too Cool for Tabletop is going to be on the show. We finally got an interview recorded and saved, and, and it's going to happen. It's finally happened, and you're finally going to hear it. So check that out on Wednesday, part one of my conversation with Jason Ashley from Too Cool for Tabletop. Uh, until then, have a good holiday, safe holiday, and um, we'll see you next time right here only on Everything is Awesome. Only on awesomepodcast.com. Everything is Awesome is produced by Crude Humor Studios. For more information about the podcast, please visit us online at awesomepodcast.com. Or if you're interested in advertising on the show, please email us at advertising at crudehumorstudios.com. Stream and download all episodes on iTunes. While you're there, please consider leaving a five-star review. If you're a fan of the show, please let us know by following us on Twitter and Instagram at That Entertains.